Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 240 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your humble host for the next couple hours of intense video game discussion. And riding sidecar with me today to do that is Matt Kyle. What's up, Matt? Uh, just 2077. Yeah, man. Big episode today. You guys have been waiting a long time for this episode. So have we. Uh, we're going to discuss Cyberpunk 27, 2077 today in depth. In fact, I think we have like five or six topics, but the bulk of our time today is going to be spent with Cyberpunk. We know that's what you want, and it's what we want to talk about, because we've been playing it since Tuesday. We got it, Matt? Is that Monday right? night. Tuesday night. Yeah. Monday night. Monday night. Yeah. So we've had it since like Monday night. So... But neither of us have finished it yet, which maybe that will lend to our discussion a little bit. But anyway, that's coming up later on in the show. I wanted to give you guys an update on our new merch and our T-shirts. I've mentioned before that getting these T-shirts done has been an unmitigated disaster. It has continued to be an unmitigated disaster. So we put the shirts up for sale on Black Friday. Um, I went and picked up the shirts that morning from the company. Once I got them, I was like, okay, we're good to put them up for sale. Um, You guys bought the shirts, and then I started going to process some of the orders, and the shirts were all jacked up. They had used, like, secondhand shirts for some of our shirts. Some of the screens were, like, faded on the edge. They did a horrible job. This, by the way, was the third shirt company I've gone to in Los Angeles. The third. And the process for doing this is it takes forever. You have to set everything up. You have to get them the art. You have to go through the quotes. So anyway, I went back to the company. They were like, well, by our count, like 25% of them are screwed up. My count was like at least like 60 or 70%. We got a huge argument. Um, I ended up basically canceling the charge on my credit card because they refused to refund my money. And I told them, I'm like, look, man, I'm like, we can work something out here now or I can take all the money back. And he basically said, F you. So I called my credit card company and they canceled the charge. So I had to start all over with another shirt company. Now, keep in mind, this happened a while ago. So we finally got through all of that process and the new shirts are coming very soon. Now, I'm not going to promise that they're going to be great. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Because after what just happened last time, I really don't freaking know. Um, So as it sits right now, the shirts are supposed to be finished on Monday. um, And then we'll start shipping them out immediately. Um, I totally understand this sucks. I totally understand that if normally when you buy something online, it ships the next day and you have it two days later. I totally get it. If any of you guys want your money refunded for the shirts, just let me know. Send an email at orders our orders at sifted.net and let us know you want a refund. Let us know your username um, and what your order was to make sure that we refund the right orders. I am willing to do this. No questions asked. Um, If you're a little bit more patient, just a couple more days, uh, they're going to be shipping out. So I just want to let you guys know what's going on. You're probably wondering like where the crap is my shirt. That's what's been going on. This has been a nightmare that has been going on for me for like two months. You mix it all in with the COVID and all these businesses. Here's something, Matt, that drives me crazy. I'm a small business. COVID sucks for any business. It sucks for small businesses especially because you're running on a shoestring budget already. So you think small businesses in this environment would just bend over backwards for business. And that is not what I have encountered at all. A lot of, all these short companies are little small guys. They're, I mean, they're not like our size. They're bigger than us. They have like dozens of employees, but they're not big businesses. And they suck. Their customer service is terrible. The the output that they've given us has been terrible. It, 
the problem is our the old company that did our shirts went away. The company dissolved. And then a couple people who worked there started some new shop, and they're trying to sell it as the same shop. Well, as it turns out, that's the shop that just screwed me over. So anyway, I've been very frustrated to see these small businesses like basically saying, hey, everyone's giving us a pass right now. Um, I'm not. I'm working harder now than I ever have. So anyway, that's what's going on. Again, if you want your shirts refunded, uh, just send an email to orders at sifted.net and we'll process it immediately. Um, but seriously, if you wait a couple days, the shirts are going to ship. You'll get them plenty of time for Christmas, etc. I just want to be honest and let you guys know what's going on and uh, give you guys some options if you need or want them. Uh, a couple other things before we get going. Uh, our Game of the Year episode, as you can see, this episode being pre-recorded, like the last episode, which sucks and we hate it. Uh, but we just don't have a TriCaster TD. Uh, but our Game of the Year episode will be streamed live on Twitch. And in fact, it's happening next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific. So we'll be talking, giving our Game of the Year awards out. But also, we'll be recapping our first topic for episode 240. And that is the Game Awards. It is early on Thursday for Matt and I right now. Uh, the show is literally happening in like three or four hours. Uh, we're trying to get this recording done so we can go and check out the awards. And obviously there's a lot of work that needs to be done for the awards as far as curation and stuff as well. Um, so anyway, um, we're not going to sit here and go through the whole awards. They're happening in a couple hours. But I did want to have a little bit of fun with the awards and try to guess uh, what some of the winners will be. And why that's fun for us is because uh, the way they pick awards at the Game Awards is they have an editorial committee that I used to be a part of for the VGAs for years and years. Um, and it's like 30, 40, 50 editors from all around the industry, and they basically just send in a ballot. And then they count them all up, and that's how they get their winners. So it's it's always interesting, at least I think, for Matt and I to try to figure out what all the other editors are going to pick. Because we know a lot of them personally. We've worked with a lot of them for literally decades in some cases. And we feel like we can kind of get a read on them, so it's kind of fun. So we're going to go through a couple categories here, actually just two and then there was a fun announcement made this morning, and we're going to try to guess what that could be. Um, first up, we're going to talk about best direction. Now, Matt, before I would say, before we get into this, I would say looking through the categories on the Game Awards website, there wasn't a whole lot that I was like, "Gee, I don't know which game is going to win." Would you have you looked through that stuff, and would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I mean, look. Uh it's a good thing we're not going through all the categories because my prediction is basically the same thing for all of them except one. Okay. Um, like, I think Last of Us 2 is going to sweep this with the exception oh. of Game of the Year. Okay. All right. We'll get to that. Um, so, so to but, but I think that that's going to be controversial because already the, what was the viewer pick, the audience pick, whatever that is? The, yeah, it was Ghost of Tsushima one. Yeah, but the reason that was that was because, like, basically 4chan set up a brigade to, like, oh. for make sure Last of Us 2 didn't win because they hate it. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> not, not that Ghost That's of Tsushima, awful, man. <laughs> not that Ghost of Tsushima doesn't deserve it. Ghost yeah, of Tsushima yeah, it's is a great fantastic. Game. Yeah. If someone says Ghost of, they like Ghost of Tsushima better than Last of Us 2, I totally get yeah, it. Yeah, I, I would argue even, with them. I might even say that. I yeah. haven't decided yet. Um, but, like, I think Last of Us, because of that, uh, you're getting, like, a weird tilted thing. My guess in terms of critics and how we've seen critics react this, this year is Last of Us 2 is going to get almost everything i also art direction i think should go to goes to Tsushima, but yeah oh, uh, sure. i think i think last of us 2 is the clear favorite in terms of if you're pulling actual if you're critics. saying like which game is going to win the most awards right it pro i i would agree with that i think I, and and direct, again like, knowing the people who vote for this yeah. stuff 
Right. <laughs> I, I mean, think best that direction, helped. like even if you hated The Last of Us 2, how can you argue that this game wasn't incredibly well directed? Like the, well, the undertaking you into the first ridiculous. the first topic, which is best direction. Uh, mm-hmm. The nominees are Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, <laughs> Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Best direction? Come on. Or I'm sorry, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half Life, Alex, and The Last of Us Part Two. And you already shared what you think is going to win: The Last of Us Part Two. Um, I also agree with that. I think that it will win because I think. That's kind of the wheelhouse for The Last of Us Part Two. I think it's just, for a lot of people, I think that will be the strongest part of the game. Um, And as you said, it's probably going to win a lot of other awards throughout the course of the show. Um, But this one, to me, is the one that it deserves to win the most out of all of them. Um, So, yeah. And Neil Druckmann, the director, was just promoted to, like, co-god at Naughty Dog or whatever. Um, It's all lining up for uh, The Last of Us Part Two to win Best Direction. Um, the other category we're going to try to guess is Game of the Year, obviously. Now, don't read too much into this. We're going to give out our Game of the Year on Tuesday. Matt mm-hmm. and I both have our own game, Games of the Year. Um, don't think that our discussion here is going to tip our hand as to what our picks are. Keep in mind, we're getting inside the mind of our colleagues and trying to figure out what the hive mind of game journalists will think. <laughs> well, nobody's going to think this is my pick for Game of the Year. I, pro- okay. I, this, I <laughs> okay. promise. Um, and the nominees are Doom Eternal, which is kind of surprising, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and The Last of Us Part Two, pretty almost a duplicate of what we mm-hmm. just saw for best direction. Um, Which, to it, be fair, is you know makes like that sense. happens in the Oscars too. If it's a, <laughs> if it's the best directed movie of the year, it's probably one of the best movies of the yeah. year, right? Yeah. Same thing with games. Totally makes sense. Um, and so, Matt, you you said that you're going to throw us a curveball mm-hmm. here. What is your pick for Game of the Year uh, for the Game Awards for 2020? Yeah. So I'm saying like Last of Us Two is going to sweep most of the other stuff. But I think the game of the year is going to be Animal Crossing. Mm, so we just published. Because there's no other game that exemplifies 2020 <laughs> better than being locked in your house during pandemic, playing Animal Crossing every day to give yourself some semblance of structure. It would not be my pick, but I feel like given how I've read all these guys, these people's uh, soliloquies and, and how they're still talking, <laughs> it's like I feel like like if you're going to go back and look back on 2020 as a, as a critic who's like kind of taking all of media into account and what you've played and what you've had to do. Um, I feel like you're going to look back and think Animal Crossing exemplifies this year more than The Last of Us Part Two. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Like Animal Animal Crossing, the bloom went off the Animal Crossing rose pretty fast for me, in comparison. But I think that is going to be the pick here. Way faster for me. Um, so we published yesterday, and it's live right now at Sifted.net. Um, we have a series of prediction articles that we do for big events called Entirely Too Many. Uh, And we published uh, entirely too many the Game Awards 2020 predictions yesterday. And your predictions line up with Vincent's almost identically. In fact, his closing paragraph was, Last of Us 2 going to mop up, but because of coronavirus, I think Animal Crossing Mm -hmm. will win. I'm going to disagree with... I'm basically saying Animal Animal Crossing Game of the Year, Last of Us 2, everything else it was nominated for except art direction. Like, that's basically my my call. Okay. Uh, And I'm going to disagree with both of you. Um... I think it would be a travesty if Animal Crossing won Game of the Year. I just do. I just also also remembering just the general Nintendo bent of. Oh, I understand completely why both you. Like, and I'm Vincent not trying think. to say they're right. I'm just saying I think that's what they're going to do. I completely understand why both you and Vincent believe that. I just don't. I think objectively, 
when the editors went to look at this stuff, I think they wanted to pick Animal Crossing, and probably a lot of them did. But I think when they look at it objectively, they're going to be like, you know what, Animal Crossing, that was pretty much the same game I've played four or five times, with a little extra like networking stuff thrown in. Um, and I think that they will... They will take everything into account, not just the cultural angle of each game. And I think The Last of Us Part Two will win Game of the Year. Um, I mean, I would even look. I think it's stupid that Final Fantasy VII is nominated for Game of the Year. That uh, has a like, good chance too. But sadly. even I, but even I would say that Final Fantasy VII had more ambition behind it than Animal Crossing. Um, I just think Animal Crossing is going to stick out in the critics' minds, in the the judges' minds, in a way that none of the other games are. And a lot of them are, I'd say even the majority of them are probably still playing it. Um, I just think it's inescapable. Like, I, I, I agree with what you say there. Um, I just think you're giving them way too much credit. <laughs> in, in I love those of, guys like, and girls. I want to give them as much credit as I can. <laughs> also, like, your, your focus on what is objective is not what I think the majority of them look at. Okay. Like objective means nothing in terms of determining the quality of something subjectively. So I think they're going to say, like, I think when it comes to the game of the year and we've had these arguments and we've had these meetings in the past where it's like some people come at it like you do, where it's like, it's like, what is the, the technical, the best achievement in the art form? And some people come at it as like, what made me happiest? What did I like? Yeah. You know, and, and I think game of the year has that dichotomy going on more than the other categories to some degree. Because the, because the game of the year award in almost every situation tends to be more like, oh, what's the what's the thing we liked best? As opposed to like, what was the best achievement? You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, I mean, in a lot of cases, those games are technically very sound. Um, that yeah. may not be the case for next year at the game awards when uh, yeah, Cyberpunk rolls what, what around. That's look like, but uh, I mean, who knows? <laughs> but what usually Cyberpunk they are. Look like be that by then. Yeah. But um, and then it does kind of get to a case of like splitting hairs, where you're like, well, mm-hmm. okay, sure, probably the controls feel better in this game, but I don't care about that that much. I care more about the writing, or I care more about the visuals, or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. so it does get to that point. And at a certain point, yeah. as the leader of an editorial team, you kind of have to put your foot down and be like, okay, right, but this I is where like I'm the, drawing the line. Is there a leader? Like, is there a leader on this There's panel? Not. Or is it just, just balance? It's Jeff. Right? I mean, Jeff has a person that handles like the legwork of it. So mm-hmm. when you're actually involved in the process, you aren't talking to Jeff. You're talking to kind of the guy who's running right. that part of the show. Um, but he will then like interject if there's questions and jump into like the email thread and be like, hey, this is what I was thinking when I did this, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of how the process plays out. But you don't have like constant contact with the other people or with Jeff. Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of on an island, um, which would and, probably and lend what, more to what, what you're saying. Yeah, what game has an island? touche kyle that's pretty good um so anyway there's our picks matt thinks animal crossing i think the last of us part two and i wouldn't even be surprised by the time you're listening to this you'll know already you will know (laughs) Um, but you right but i think that's the fun of watching this is watching me say the last of us part two and knowing i was wrong and laughing at Mm. my ass while i'm saying it so we're all wrong it was doom eternal but what i was gonna say (laughs) is that like i would not be surprised at all if final fantasy 7 remake wins it it's the like i would i would be shocked if that wins it because there's just not enough i mean i would be appalled that it won but i wouldn't be shocked people in the critic world that that fell in love with that game and stayed in love with it i think uh most of the people that i know at least that would be on this they're on this board would be like are they see that game for what it is um, and you may not say it publicly the way I do because you don't want to get people yelling at you about it, but like, I don't care. That game's garbage. Um, it's a nice idea. I wanted it to be good. It was not. It doesn't deserve to be in the company of all those other games that it's nominated with. And you know why um, it is, though. 
Of course it is, because it's popular. I mean, we're not. I would argue Doom Eternal's on the fringe, too. Like, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't like Doom Eternal very much, uh, but because I didn't like that, what it was doing, I did. I. I wanted more of a follow-up to the 2016 game, and this is more of an arcade reinvention of how Doom plays. Mm-hmm. And it does that really, really well. Does, like, yeah. I just don't care for it. Like, yeah. I don't that's I not what it. I want. I thought it was really like, good and really sound. My, and- my dislike of Doom Eternal 2 is entirely on me. Like, there's nothing yeah. wrong with the game at all. It's just not what I want, yeah. personally. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Final it Fantasy VII Remake is bad like broken you wanted it to be way. good <laughs> I, yeah I, I think i think it's a bad game like i don't think doom eternal is a bad game i just don't like no, it no, very definitely much not. i wouldn't still i would not be surprised if remake wins it and i wouldn't be surprised if it ends up winning other categories as well it uh, might i mean it might win i mean it's again it's dumb but it might win like i don't know soundtrack or narrative or something. or something insane there's no possible way it wins narrative <laughs> against last of two like it's just not gonna happen <laughs> we'll don't see. overestimate the, the the square fanboys are loud but don't don't overestimate their numbers. Yeah, it's, well, it's not uh, even them that's voting. You know, it's the press. So right, but the pre- Final the press Fantasy VII, man, it's been that like sacred cow for like twenty some years. Yeah, until a lot the of cows kids. showed up, and you're like, this cow has no has no <laughs> bones. You're like, it's uh, it didn't yeah. didn't work out too well, and also like, um, uh, we're not under any illusion that this is any anything other than a you know popularity contest that like is meant to drive trailers and marketing toward into our eyeballs, mm-hmm. right? Like this is yeah. not. This is not a prestige event in terms of the awards being given out. It's a big deal to see what gets announced. And I'll be interested to see how good that stuff is this year, too. I'm not convinced it's going to be one of the yeah. better Yeah, I mean, we already had uh, had Phil Spencer saying, like, everybody just calm down. Yeah, because <laughs> like, he was like, uh, something Xbox. Everyone's like, oh, my God! And everybody's, everybody. I mean, I've seen a lot of people say, like, Elden Ring better be there. I'm like, buckle up, because I don't <laughs> think it's going to be there. I <laughs> But I'll say this, like every year, Jeff surprises me with at least one thing oh, yeah. that Jeff I did not think would stuff. be there, and it, and it is. So, and th- a lot of times, you know, a lot of times the big surprises and the big, the best stuff out of the Game Awards are things that are we'd never heard of before. Yeah. Some of the stuff um, that airs so, like during the commercials. Yeah. Or just like new announcements, like, you know, you know, not to, not to lean on the world premiere, or, but like, a lot of the best stuff uh, from the Game Awards has always been like, oh, I'd never heard of that. They announced that at the Game Awards, and it was great. Yeah. And now i got to look forward to another year of hearing nothing about <laughs> it. For, like, but whatever. I mean, he got it. He put it out there first. He yeah. did. You know, so We got Sekiro there the first time, yep. so I understand why people are saying that about Elden Ring. I just well, that's what I, think I was Elden thinking Ring's... about when I said like he sometimes has things that really surprise me. Right. And... But the problem with that is like Sekiro was like a vague, we didn't even get a title, like just sort of uh, what the hell is that thing. It was also published and... by Activision, which makes yeah. a big difference. And this would be like, oh, the first anything we see of this game would be from the. I don't know about that. Yeah, it's um, not the, the chances aren't good. <laughs> I don't want to no. get. <laughs> I'm not saying I shouldn't even say get someone's hype up because everyone has seen this already. But yeah, my guess is it's not shown. Uh, and then the final thing we're going to discuss for the game awards is that this morning a big announcement came out before the show, uh, and that was that Nintendo will be announcing a new Smash Brothers character in today's game awards broadcast. Um, we've talked about this before, so we're not going to beat the drum for too long again. But Matt, quickly, what's your prediction for the character? Um, I think it would be either that one character that everybody, all the hardcore Nintendo fans want, who I can never remember who it is. It begins with like an O or something. Remember what franchise it's from? No, it's, I think it's like Earthbound or something. Uh, um, I don't know. I, it's, so it's, one, it's, one the fans really want. Yeah, it's it's 
It's a meme now. It's like a, oh. it's like a, or no, it's from a Super Mario RPG. That's what it's from. Oh. It's like I can never remember. The last time I came, I came up with this, I couldn't remember either. And someone in the comments said, "Oh, it's this person." I'm like, yeah, that's who it is. Oh. Um, it's, it's. I, I think it's either that or um, Master Chief. Okay, um, I'm gonna bet on, and this is partly wishful thinking. Who's left? <laughs> yeah. Funny. Well, this is partly wishful thinking and partly based on some rumors that have been flying around. Um, and that is Ryu Hiyabasa from Ninja Gaiden. Um, and mm. my, my hope is that they announce Ryu for Smash and then, and this may anger Elden Ring fans, instead of Elden Ring being the big Japanese reveal, the big Japanese reveal is Team Ninja and the new Ninja Gaiden. And they come out afterwards. Um, I would, that's I'll, obviously I'll modif- pie in the sky, me right. dreaming stuff. I'll modify that by saying that it could be Ryu, but it would probably be accompanying the announcement of the uh, Ninja Gaiden Sigma Trilogy Collection, okay. which leaked a couple days ago. That could be too, um, yeah. And for the love of God, that better be on more than the, just the Switch. Um, I mean, I already have one and two on backwards compatible on Xbox, so I guess it doesn't matter really. But like, yeah. um, I would hope that would not be limited to the Switch, but Ryu would be a good addition. The other one, the other pie in the sky, like, oh, that would be neat to have in Smash Brothers, I think would be Spyro. Yep. Or Crash. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens. Crash would make a lot of sense, yeah. Also owned by Activision. Mm-hmm. Um, not really a Sony-exclusive character anymore. No, um, well, same with, same with Spyro. Spyro yeah. was, used to be identified with Sony. And yeah, so anymore. any of those guys, I think, could make it. But my dream of... And look, we are way overdue for a new Ninja Gaiden. Uh, we've had Neo 1. They just released Neo 2. It tanked. It's time for Ninja Gaiden. That's all there is to it. And so I think everything's aligning. The stars are aligning. Nintendo is aligning. Hopefully Team Ninja is aligning. And we'll get a new Ninja Gaiden announced at the Game Awards. Whoops, it's Ninja Gaiden Yaiba 2. Oh. <laughs> it's possible. Oh, it is totally no. possible. I don't know what it is. Why Koei Tecmo is abandoned that franchise. I don't get it. I mean, the last one was not great. I do understand I mean, I think, I think it, it was largely because um, the people who made 1 and 2 are gone. Yeah. You know, is. like Yeah. Yeah, and Yosuke Hayashi, he worked on, like, Sigma, and he worked yeah. on Ninja Gaiden for a long time. But, but the other thing is, like, Sigma... But that's... Uh, it got Sigma 2 franchise. was bad. Sigma 2 was a downgrade, uh-huh. really. Yeah. Um, uh, partly because it was on the PS3 and it couldn't run everything, so they had to downgrade stuff, and they took out a lot of the dismemberment and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I always loved at the end of the Xbox 360 version, you could just kind of see how the fight had gone by the blood splatters yeah. and where the limbs had landed and stuff. Yeah. And, like, that was pretty much gone in, th- in 3 because yeah. they couldn't... They couldn't display that much clutter on that system well, properly. Yeah, so. part, the Ninja Gaiden 2 was just gross. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was so gory. Um, but, yeah, you're right. They all left. Uh, when Itagaki left, he took a bunch of people with him to go work at his Valhalla studio, mm-hmm. uh, which has basically floundered ever since. So, well, they gave us Devil's Third. What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? They've had, here's my point. Team Ninja's had a break. They had their chance to be like, okay, that was Itagaki's franchise. Let's let it rest for a while and do our own thing. They did that. They made Neo. It was moderately successful. It's time for the return of the king. Let's make it happen. Um, all right, let's move on. We're going to get Itagaki in the meeting for that one a couple, day, <laughs> couple times a week. I don't know. No, that, if that's the case, it will definitely not happen. Uh, those guys, I don't think that they're too fond of each other after no. the separation. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's not like Itagaki hit it out of the park after he left either. But no, like, he didn't. 
I don't know. I, I, the ninja, the quality of Ninja Gaiden one and two might have been like a lightning in a bottle, it's like a t- of the time thing. I don't know yeah. how much I trust in Ninja Gaiden, but I'm willing to give it a shot. If it's from Team Ninja, I will. Yeah, if he it's from really Valhalla good... Studios, I would yeah. not. <laughs> but he would be a really good addition to Smash Brothers, one way or the yep, other. Yep, he would work perfect. Yep. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about the PlayStation Five, but not the one that you're trying to get or you just got. Uh, this week, a patent was unveiled. For a, I know it's hard to believe, for a new PlayStation. Um, and the kicker here is that the patent is filed for a dual GPU console um, with a focus on cloud gaming. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, who are, don't know anything about PC gaming, um, you build a PC, you can put two GPUs in your PC, and then they're basically bridged together via this tech called SLI. Um, and I'm guessing if Sony were to do this, they'd probably find some different way to kind of work around that. It wouldn't just be like they you building like a rig or whatever. Um, but basically, the power of two GPUs that will be used for a console. And I don't, I don't. It is curious that they specifically mention in the patent uh, cloud gaming. Um, and then the patent goes on to state that the up that the new console would have more RAM compared to what PlayStation currently has on the market, which may murk things up a little bit. Um, first of all, Matt, do you think that, that this is going to happen? And if, and if so, when? So I talked about this with this patent thing with one of my dev friends uh-huh. who's been in the business for 20 some years. And he says it's nonsense. Meaning like, it's meaning he's like, he's like, he's like, that wouldn't do anything. He's like, he's like, that's a useless hardware configuration to me. He's, he's like, oh, wait, uh, basically he's like, I don't know how you would make that be of any significant benefit to the point that you could charge more money or that we wouldn't have to do a bunch of work on games we finished years ago to make it work properly with it. Um, he, he was basically of the opinion that um, a layman will look at two GPUs and think that, oh, you've doubled the power or you've made right. it. But like to him, he's just like, that's stupid. Yeah, like, by the way, that's not how it works, people. Like you, yeah. if, you, if you have dual GPUs, you don't like double the graphics output of your PC. That's not how it works. The next GPU provides... An incremental increase yeah. in performance. As someone who has two thousand dollar video cards in his computer, <laughs> I promise you, <laughs> not worth it. Um, but like, uh, but he was basically saying, like, uh, he's like, I'm sure they filed this because they worked it up and they didn't, you know, they were like, oh, it's, it's an, idea, an idea worth, you know, putting a, a marker on, yeah. basically. Um, but he 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 basically said, there's no. He's like, I he doesn't think there's any chance that this is the playstation 5 pro or anything like that he thinks it's just sony came up with a thing he's like i'm sure they're working on it but like th- he's like i don't think this is it I, yeah and so i, I so does he think it's more him. likely like something for playstation 6 um no he thinks it's just not he thinks it's a dead end but like but, but companies will patent things oh, yeah. they don't intend to move on just in case someone else thinks of something oh, yeah. better yeah, with that, that idea all the right? time. that happens all so the time. that's probably what's happening here it doesn't i mean this is about the time they will be thinking about right. the hardware for a pro version of the ps5 and even you know i'm sure cerny is sketching out pie in the sky ideas about what the ps6 would be um as we speak but like this feels like the, the other thing about it is like um and i you know a couple couple people i know and i agree with them and i thought of it too when i saw this was like this is way too brute force for cerny yeah that's not how like, they cerny design comes up hardware with ele- yeah cerny yeah. comes up with elegant ideas uh-huh. this is just like cram cram another engine in the car it's like, an xbox just, i mean that's yeah, what pretty, basically how xbox right hardware. right yeah. this is this is how xbox builds their their stuff um 
it's inefficient, it's inelegant, and it doesn't feel like a modern Sony. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if PlayStation 6 and whatever the next Xbox ends up being called, God knows. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they are dual GPU machines, though. Um, it might. Like, it, it might help to have the extra power to process if you're bringing stuff in from the cloud. That but would I think maybe... you start there. So right. you start the generation there so that all developers are creating games with that architecture. Um, yeah, it might. It could be, like, kind of a PlayStation 6, like, foundation yeah like a mid-cycle i just i agree with it doesn't look like a mid it doesn't look like an evolution of the ps5 at all um no guy you got you gotta wonder how tall that one will be (laughs) um maybe it doesn't make it wide i don't know (laughs) it'll just be the entertainment shelf (laughs) and you just put your tv on top of the xbox or the playstation how long will it be until that's the case matt (laughs) that's pretty funny it's the opposite of the Pactor future. Yeah. I think the cloud you thing. You won't buy a TV with your console in it. You'll put your TV on the console. Yeah. <laughs> it really is the exact opposite of what he was talking about. Um, what do you think is up with the cloud stuff, though? Why? I mean, it's mentioned several times specifically in the patent. Does that yeah. trick any triggers like, for you? Sony hasn't really delved into that too much, yeah. um, which is, I mean, I, I know we've, we've said, and a lot of other people have said that, like, you know, they're expecting Sony to kind of move in that direction to some degree or add that on to PlayStation now going forward just mm-hmm. because everybody else is doing it. Yeah. Um, part of that's my thought on that with no evidence to, to back it up is like part of that might just be Sony kind of striking out in that cloud direction because they haven't yet and sort of saying like, well, if everybody else is doing it, we might as well invest, you know, kind of explore the space, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do anything with it. Right. Um, Cause they don't seem to have considered it to be a very mm-hmm. important thing at, uh, yet. And uh, frankly, I agree with them. Do you think it may be um, Sony's like blades for cloud gaming? I mean, could be, uh, but again, like I don't see, I mean, they, I guess that that could work. Like if Cerny figured out a way to make kind of the cloud stuff run through one GPU and the game process through the other GPU so you can kind of get could, the, the he's a data. He could, because he's a freaking could, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how that would work, but I'm not Mark Cerny, and yeah. I'm not even a, an eighth of Mark Cerny, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, inter- it's interesting, but I don't think it has any particular direct ramifications on what we're going to be playing yeah. in the near and future. And nothing immediate, like, Definitely not in the next like two years, which I think is probably where both of us would guess we would see yeah. kind of that mid cycle. Because that's upgrade. the thing, is, and also because my my friends who work in dev that have that I asked about it, like they all were kind of like meh, like yeah. and if it was something that they were going to have to deal with soon, that they would, would not, not have be been the reaction. About it. They would have been like, oh. Fuck this. Or at the very least, you'd see a look of consternation on their face or whatever. Why? Because, like, look, (laughs) if there's one thing that devs have been around for a long time have in common, they all hate that that looming Sony came up with weird hardware shit again (laughs) thing. And you're like, oh, my God, now what do we have to figure out? You know, the cell processor is a is a is a. Is a, is a deep psychic wound in some of these guys' uh, minds. So. I don't blame you. Anytime you are forced to work really hard to get to a place that usually you get to really easily, yeah. it's some of the most frustrating moments That's in your what life. they would always tell me like back <laughs> in, the, in the old, you know, the seventh gen was like, uh, it's like, yeah, we build the game on PC, we put it on Xbox 360, and it just works. Yeah, it just runs. And then we spend yeah. like half a year making the PS3 version operate properly. Yeah. Like that's that was how that was. You always wonder why the PS3 version was was worse because they had to spend most of their time making sure it 
functioned, yeah. let alone it that it broken. was polished. Yep. Like that was the problem with that, with that. And there's always that fear that that is going to come back in some form. If one of these companies makes a weird hardware choice and luckily none of them have. So like all three current systems are pretty normal architecturally. Yeah. Yep. Now that also helps with the partners that you choose for yes. your hardware. Working with NVIDIA, AMD, yeah. it definitely makes and it a lot easier. I think Sony has definitely learned that lesson. I think Nintendo learned yep. that lesson. Um, yep. And it has paid off huge for Nintendo. Think about it, the fact that like a lot of these guys, I mean, Sony still does to an extent, would design their own processors and their own yeah. GPUs. Think about that. <laughs> That's yeah. Well, it used to be it used to be the way, like you know. I like know. The, so there's a is it? I think it's Ars Technica has um, a series called War Stories on YouTube. They have a playlist of all of them, and it's just they go interview old time devs about making their game, making these classic games. They have one on Prince of Persia, Crash Bandicoot, uh, Homeworld. Um, you know, it goes way way back, and it's all fascinating. Look this look this up and watch it. War Stories are amazing. And they're all, they always talk about how, okay, we went to make this game, the Homeworld one I just watched. And they come back, they're like, oh, we went to make this game. And we're gonna, we said, we're going to make a 3D real-time strategy game. The first time anyone had ever done a real-time strategy game in full 3D. And the reason it's in space is so we didn't have to render the ground. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and they're like... It's a big bitmap so, behind so everything. Then, like, so back then, there were no game engines. There were no tools. You had to build all everything. your own dev tools yeah. to make whatever specific game you had to, you had to make. And... You know, we forget it. And like, so there was that period of transition, especially from, you know, developers who were around in the 90s, where like they they were used to building everything themselves. You know, that was a big deal back in the back of the 90s and even into the 2000s. One of the big reveals of a new console was like, what's the processor? What have yeah. they developed? You know, you, you, you would get reports and rumors of like, oh, the, the Project Dolphin. Or right, the, all the all had code names, Flipper and all that Flipper or what was the, uh, yeah. All, Broadway. All, Nintendo, all the Nintendos were like, uh, were Dolphin-centered for some reason. Yeah, that was GameCube. Uh, Sega. GameCube was Sega, all yeah, Dolphin-related. And you can still find the Dolphin thing if you open it up and look at the processor. It's it still says it on the processor. Uh, uh, yep. And you know, Dreamcast uh, was what Katana, was, that? was that? I think it was Katana. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and all that's you know, it, it was. I was part of the cloak and dagger of the reporting on an upcoming console. Was figuring out all this custom hardware these companies had made, and it took a, some of them a long time to let go of that. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a big deal when the Dreamcast came out. And it was using Windows CE as the basis of its OS. The fact that Sega didn't make their own OS from scratch was unusual at the yeah. time. Now, Nintendo did work with ATI on the GPU mm. for GameCube. Yeah, but they um, were still making their own. Well, they did. Thing. They designed it with ATI. Yeah, with ATI, I mean, they, they worked with help, ATI. Like, and Nintendo, in particular, took a long time to let go of the idea that they had to make their own hardware. It was always that kind of thing. So, oh, we're going to make it, but there's going to be this weird thing that annoys you about yeah. it. You know, it, like development for it was always, or we're going to make the discs real small for no apparent reason. <laughs> um, you can't pirate. I mean, man. they're they're adorable, but Which did um, not work. <laughs> Because <laughs> so the much. GameCube is very easily pirated. Also, a lot of those, a lot of those decayed. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, um, I did hear that. A lot of that done decayed, and uh, some of them, like some of them, they don't even decay, and they're unplayable. They just whatever they used for the the label, like you can remember the the, the labels on them weren't even labels; they were printed. They were screened, screen they're screen printed. printed. Yeah, and so they could only have one color, yep. which sucked. And like some of that stuff has just flaked off. Hmm. Go if you have a GameCube collection. Go open some all the cases and see if how many of your discs are still like pristine. Wow. I didn't know that. Because some of them, some of them have had some some like kind of 
disc rot problems with the screen printing and stuff. I, I had that with um, um, Metal Gear Solid, the Twin Snakes. That sucks. Uh, that's like one, the one, one GameCube yeah, game that you want. One of it's them. An, it's a it's a it's a rare one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably but, worth uh, some money. Twin Snakes is worth a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it still works. But it it just it, the, the whatever process did not. You know, that's 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 one of the things about collecting is you find out what things were not made to the lab. Not intentionally. And you don't know, like, you know until they, twenty yeah, years later when you pull something out of your closet. Um, yeah. That, well, that's the 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 gold plastic syndrome. That's what that that's what that is. It's uh, with trans, transformers and other stuff that was made in the. You remember in the nineties, everything was the wacky colors, and the, yep. one of the things they loved is making stuff out of this swirly gold plastic. And something about the chemical composition of that, after about ten to thirteen years, it be it it loses all its integrity and it becomes brittle. And brittle, as in like you can crumble it like pastry in your hand. <laughs> wow. And like. There's a couple. There's a couple Transformers like G2 Silverbolt and um, a couple couple Beast Wars characters. They're made entirely of that gold plastic. Oh god! And the, the best one is guy. I can't remember his name, but he's a. He was from a line in G2 that like their gimmick was you press the button and they sprang into robot mode. Uh huh. And. If he's all gold, the whole th- he's like a, he's like a like a forties car, and he's all gold. And if you press the if you get it one today, and he's still intact in the package somehow, and you press the button to transform him, he will explode. <laughs> Best because transformer he's ever. <laughs> he's basically made of like crackers. <laughs> right. right now he is. Yeah. So that is a thing that constantly hap- happens, and like you see, like you know, stuff that's built to be sold in the mass market is not always intended to be a collector's item, and sometimes you know you don't know. You, you know, know. N- Nintendo did not print those discs intentionally thinking haha right. by the time they decay it'll be too late for them to return them to the store it's just something that happens but i will tell you what did happen probably is that they got quotes from a bunch of disc manufacturers they chose the cheapest one and there was probably some process that they used that maybe mm-hmm. one of the other guys wouldn't have used there's no way to know but it could be it could yeah. be and like you know it's it's it, it's it's a funny thing to look back at you know, the same with like you go if you have old masters of the universe figures go find that box and open it up and note that they're all covered with a thin film of goo yeah. now uh-huh. because that plastic because it was made you know it wasn't made to last it it, it bleeds this like Basically Chemical. the oil. But basically, yeah, basically it's the petroleum product they use to make that plastic malleable. Is it, it separates out, out of this, out of it and leaks and bleeds it bleeds out and you touch it and your hands get all like it's Ew. disgusting. There is a you basically have to boil them to get rid of it. Well, there you go. Catch up on <laughs> retro toys with Matt Kyle. Maybe we need to yep. give you a whole show to do that stuff because you definitely know your shit. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, that's the PS5 Pro, which both Matt and I think probably not for a couple of years, best case scenario. And whatever is in that patent is probably not the PS5 Pro in the first place. Yeah, you're, you're looking at like a prototype of a prototype at yeah. best there. Yeah. But someone in Sony thought it was a good enough idea that we should probably put dibs on it. Just to make which, sure someone else can't take it. Yeah, yeah, which fair. Yeah, sure. That's yep. that's corporate That's corporate development in a, in a nutshell right there. Yep. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Bioware. Uh, what used to be... One of our favorite developers in the entire industry has kind of fallen. <laughs> I mean, it really was like yeah, for me, oh, yeah. it was one of my favorite developers in the industry. And well, now, I was waiting for Cyberpunk over the weekend, I played Kotor One again. Yeah, I, I mean, those games still hold up. Holds up. <laughs> they it still really hold does. up. Um, but over the last few years, and I think it all started with the release of Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, I think people still had high hopes and thought Bioware was the same studio yeah. before. I that. mean, I think a lot of people, a lot of people would say it started with Inquisition. Yeah, because a lot of people um, didn't like Inquisition. You're yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, Inquisition. I mean, there's certainly Inquisition has a lot of fans. A lot of Dragon Age fans love it or think it's the best one. I certainly think it's the one that plays the best of the three. But I don't like Dragon Age much to begin with. Um, but like, 
I think a lot of people would point, especially because Mass Effect Andromeda is basically a reskin of Inquisition yeah. in terms of quest design and map design, map theory. Um, I feel like a lot of people would point to Inquisition as sort of where it's where where the first red flag went up. Yep. Um, and then it continued with Mass but Effect Andromeda. Andromeda is definitely, yeah, the peak. Well, okay, I guess Anthem would be the peak, but Andromeda was. The <laughs> I point forgot where about all... Anthem already, <laughs> but you're don't right. Don't you? Don't you forget about Anthem? <laughs> isn't that isn't that weird? Because I was like, God, they haven't made a game in years. I'm like, yeah, because right, I was thinking about Bioware. <laughs> that game did not pop into my head. Like, no, it's not pretty at all. funny to think about that. Although I did enjoy actually Anthem more than on most. Yeah, I did it. not hate Anthem. Yeah. I just. It didn't stick in my head at all. I like had just... totally forgotten, basically, that they had made that game. Um, so that's sort of the last three games from this legendary studio. None of them have been terrible, but they have no. not been these next-level experiences that, like it or not, we had grown to expect from BioWare. It drove innovation for years and years, and now it appears to just kind of be yeah. getting in line behind it, everyone it else. It was so much at the forefront of how you told an RPG story in a video game that it was the basis for Jonah Nolan's idea for Westworld. Yeah. Like that like that's how influential this company was. Like you know, the, Christopher Nolan's brother was like played these games and was like, "Hmm, I bet this is the basis for an idea for an actual major HBO series." Yeah. You know, it's like, like it's, <laughs> Yep. And he did it. And like, if you watch Westworld, you can see that. Oh yeah, you can see that storytelling idea. That, that kind of, you can. You, you, I mean, I certainly watched it. And I, I knew. I knew he had that influence. But like watching, I'm like, oh, that's from Bioware. That was from this Bioware game. Like, oh, it's, even it's the art and the way like all the sci-fi stuff is designed to yeah. me is very Mass Effect. Um, the colors. Yeah. There's a lot of white that they use in the show. Mass Effect uses a lot of white. I can totally see the comparison. Yeah, the influence is there, and I think he would. I think he has talked about it in interviews. It's yep. uh, yeah. So it's it's amazing to kind of see that we've come from that to like we forgot about your most recent release. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, here's the thing. Um, Dragon Age Four, although we don't know if that's really what the title is going to be. Um, mm. Dragon Age 4 is actually going to be shown off here in the next couple hours at the Game yeah. Awards. Chances are we're going to see the first gameplay from Dragon Age 4. I am hoping... Maybe. I'm, like, wondering if it's going to be another, like, game dev interview thing. Like another, like, developer like, doc type thing yeah, where they show a little footage. Yeah, see, like, and, character models on the screen behind them, and that's I don't think they it. can get away with that anymore. I don't think they can either, but maybe <laughs> they don't. Maybe have to I'm, show the I'm game. worried they don't have anything else ready. <laughs> it's possible. You know what I mean? I think we'll see the game being played. Um... Well, not played, not like, hey, we're going to play the game and watch us play it, but there will be in-engine footage in yeah, the in trailer. Yeah, in-engine cinematics. Yeah, I we'll see what the game looks like, essentially, bad. today. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, this week, we got some really bad news coming out of Bioware, more bad news. Uh, and that is that two more of its high-profile developers are leaving the studio. Uh, Casey Hudson and Mark Dara, two guys who have been there for a long time. I think yeah. a lot of people Although, viewed them as kind of the last bastion of the old bioware that yeah. might Although still not, be at the not studio. the first time casey hudson's left uh, yeah this is true back because um, he just came back what th two years ago three years ago a while ago yeah i basically came back to like in the, in the wake of andromeda to help dragon age 4 right as, as i understood it yeah um yeah it's uh, not very encouraging is it pod, as they would say on pod save america it's not great dan um <laughs> It's uh, very, I mean, like I'm not a Dragon Age fan, but I'm rooting for Dragon Age 4 because not only do I feel like that's the last shot that Dragon Age has to be remain a huge 
you know major series. I think it's Bioware Edmonton's last shot. It might be. I mean, for, I feel like I feel like EA, I mean, for EA me, has it, it'll be their last shot. Well, for I'm, I mean, I mean, like company. You think existing. EA may like shut down Bioware shut Edmonton? Shut down. Wow. If, if, if this thing doesn't sell up to spec, well, EA um, certainly has a history of doing that kind of crap. I'm honestly surprised that they haven't done. I, mean, I was worried that Anthem would be that, but it's Anthem dra- sold really well. Said. It's because of Dragon Age Four. Um, yeah, but Anthem sold really well. So yeah, um, yeah and it, it so didn't last the way it's supposed to. It will sell pretty well. Yeah, I, Inquisition I hope so. sold real well. Um, I mean, if there's one thing we we've learned, uh, a, a big action RPG, and I mean like size, not just not just like big. But I mean, like a big action RPG can get traction. Pretty easily. Well, the other thing um, about it too is that they last so long that they're the tail on social media on YouTube yeah. is much longer. Uh, and people, the, people get, get into less plays the for them more. And people get attached to the characters and fan bases form around this, the cast. And um, you know, Dragon. You know, all you got to do is to a Dragon Age fan is mention Dragon Age or a character name, and they'll just talk, start talking about who they romance and who their ships are, and and this character or that character. Yeah. And I hate this character, and I love this character, and I hate the you know. And Mass Effect. I mean, I'll do that with Mass Effect if you bring up Mass Effect to me. But like, um, you're right. Like, there's a huge tail on these things. There's an attachment to them. Um, there is, you know, look at how many people are still clamoring for Mass Effect to be remastered. I mean, it is getting remastered, but like yeah. that was the thing people just yelled and yelled about because they want to happening. have these, yeah. this thing move forward and be and be preserved. Yeah. Uh, there was a very unfair announcement a couple days ago where a KOTOR 2 announcement went up and it turned out to be for the mobile version. I'm just like, mm. you jerks. <laughs> like, I, I know that wasn't Bioware, but I just, yeah. I just been on my mind a couple days where I'm just like, that is not the announcement I'm waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> do you think? But that, at least it proves they haven't forgotten about do, it. Do you think that Casey leaving at this point in time specifically is a big deal? Because you got to figure a lot of this. The scenarios have all been written. I mean, the game's probably done like 85 percent. They're just finishing off. Oh, you think? Parts uh, I of think that game. game is way less done. Really. Than that. Oh yeah, I think I think Dragon Age Four is still a couple years out. Whoa! Um, wow! But you I'm might still you that, might Matt. still be right in terms of like, um, like in terms of of what his job would be, like in terms of the framework and structure and what everything is. Like you might be right that his job is sort of done, Mostly and what's left what's yeah. left is to sort of guide it through with that plan, and maybe he doesn't feel like that's a, a worth his time, like or maybe he wants to go. I mean, he's or he you know, just he's wants like, to leave for the really crappy part of game yeah. development. Or, or he wants, you know, he's got to go. Do, maybe he wants to go found his own studio or go work yeah. on something else. You the know, part where you have to is, finish he, stuff. <laughs> he is uh, veteran enough that he can kind of pick and choose his yeah. gigs. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me. You know, he's like he did the high level stuff and this is what the game needs to be. And now it's kind of in the trenches work from here on out. And maybe he doesn't feel he needs to do that or doesn't want to do it, Um, which is completely fair. I think, you know, it's it's his career. It's his life. uh, If that's not what he he doesn't want to stay another winter in Edmonton. I get it. Hard to argue against that. Yeah, (laughs) that's what you're right, though. He's getting out right now before it really gets bad up there. Yeah. Send me somewhere. It's like 20. Yeah, yeah, that's an upgrade. Think about yeah. that. Like, that's a huge upgrade for him. Yeah, yeah. Edmonton is not a great place to live. No offense to anyone who lives in Edmonton. I was there once, and I was good. <laughs> it's yeah. like I don't need to come back here again. Yeah, um, I heard many stories. Blair, Blair Blair Herder went there for to do a segment for us for um, I think it was Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh-huh. Um, he was up there, and he happened to be there. On the coldest day in Edmonton in like 15 years. And that is saying and, something. And man. flew out and land. He had to get a connecting flight back to LA in Vegas. Uh-huh. And he got snowed in in Vegas. 
That's, what? that's how cold it was that week. <laughs> it, it was snowing in Vegas, and the Las Vegas airport had to shut down because of it. Because they're not used to any they snow. Yeah, they're not they could half an inch. It's all yeah, over. It wasn't, like, it wasn't like it was like a foot of snow. It was yeah. like three inches that's of snow. That's all it takes. But like in Vegas, that's like, no, we're oh, over. Like it's over. Life is over burn, at the, that point. burn the city down. We're done. Like I it's can't snowing. imagine what would happen to L.A. <laughs> if it snowed three inches here. Oh, my God. Well, we know what happens in San Francisco. Johnny Mosley makes a video game. That's right. That's, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. That's so funny. Well, how did that start? What would, yo, bro, what would happen what, if, it if it snowed, snowed in, in San, San Francisco? Francisco? <laughs> that's how they start that whole that's video game. That's how they game. start Johnny Mosley's mad tricks. Look it up. That's right. We reviewed oh, that on X-Play, by the way. Oh, we yeah, we reviewed it and we hammered it. We had a lot of fun with it. Once a year forever after that. It was... Uh, so, Matt, what do you think are the long-term implications of these two guys leaving, if any? Or is it to a point with Bioware that there aren't any long-term implications because our standards for the studio have fallen so far? I mean, well, yeah, you might you might be right about the falling standards. Uh, I think Dragon Age 4 uh, feels like, hey, can can it just maybe be as good as Inquisition? Yeah, at this point? Well, I'm starting to feel that way about like, it. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, I certainly don't expect a Mass Effect 2 out of this thing, yeah. you know, um, or even a KOTOR 1. Uh, I just want a good, I want something about as good as Greedfall, if we're being honest, you know? Like, That's not too much to ask, really. No, That's an indie so. game. <laughs> like, Bioware should be able to hit that. But that company, Spiders, has made that in the Technomancer. They are clearly working in the Bioware model, you know, the old yeah. style Bioware model. And they're doing it better than Bioware yeah. at this point. Well, they're like, getting to that point where they're starting to like rub up against them for sure. Yeah, like Greedfall feels like something that could have been made by Bioware between like Mass Effect 1 and 2. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, whatever Spiders' next game is, I think we saw, what, I don't remember the name of it. It's like, it looks, you know, it looks like some kind of revolutionary war thing and with steampunk or whatever. Um, like, I think another game, like their next game, I said that when Greedfall came out, their next game could easily be high-level Bioware quality, like Golden Age Bioware quality. Well, every game They're they release is just a little bit better than the one before. A little bit better, a little, bit, a little yep. bit more solid. Still got the Euro jank, but it's yeah. not like it's not like we didn't have that in the Bioware games too. They're big, you know, big well, games. We get have that, that in a lot of big games. And absolutely, we'll, we'll get to that. We will absolutely. <laughs> not too long from now. Uh, does this change your hype level for Dragon Age Four at all? Um, not really, because my my hype level for Dragon Age Four is very subdued. It's more it's more of a like, guys, you, I you come on through. You, you, I'm hoping I, to be I, pleasantly surprised by. Yeah, it. exactly. I'm. I'm <laughs> I'm really rooting, you know, it's, it's like rooting for the Jets, you know, I just, I really, you know, it's like being a Mets fan, I guess. It's just like, I'm rooting for them. But I'm not expecting I'm, I'm much. Re- I'm ready to be disappointed, but I'm rooting for, you know, like I'm, you know, that doesn't dampen my, you know, my support. Yeah. I, I, I really, I love Bioware. I, I, you know, Bioware's made some of my favorite games of all time. Uh, you know, I, like, like I said, I just went back to play KOTOR 1 probably for like the seventh or eighth time this past weekend. That's a 17-year-old game. Mm-hmm. How many seventeen-year-old RPGs can you go back to? But most most of them are Bioware most, games. The only ones <laughs> like, are basically like text-based RPGs. Yeah, like you're going <laughs> back honest. to play like yeah, Zork and yeah. Kotor and Baldur's Gate and 2. Hitchhiker's and Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, <laughs> which was like one of the best text-only games I think uh, that I played yeah, when I was a young no, one. Def- I, I I don't think many text adventure fans would disagree with you. Trying to get that. the babblefish out of the vending machine. Yep. <laughs> it's great. I loved that game. You, you didn't need graphics for that game. You didn't. Your imagination your, just filled it all in. All I had to do was look at the art on the cover of the book. That's it. Because <laughs> yeah. that art 
tells you a lot about the universe and the tone yeah. and all that. And yeah, and that was a big that was a thing that you know, that everyone wonders like how come the, the art on Atari twenty six hundred cartridges is so good. Because it's all we had. They had like, to tell the story with we, the bo- you, with the box you art. They had to tell me what I was supposed to think <laughs> I, I was looking it at. it is. Yeah. yeah. It's so crazy. Uh, so anyway, there you go. Another defection from BioWare. Um, I'm hoping that by the time you guys watch this and you've already watched the Game Awards, that we're all blown away by Dragon Age 4 and we're like, oh my gosh, like this is going to be a next level thing. I hope that's the case. Right now, definitely not <laughs> tracking that direction. But more realistically... It's not done yet. Yeah. Just keep, the, keep the faith. Yeah, let's you know, keep it open uh, mind. That'll right be now. my post-show message that we don't know whether we're right or not. Just <laughs> don't panic yet. Yeah. In the, in, the, in, the, in the tradition of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, don't panic. Although I w- yeah, exactly. Although I would say this. If it looks terrible today, you might want to panic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nobody's put a pre-order down yet. Right? Yeah, and they haven't announced a release date either, so they no. have some wiggle room there. Um, All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about probably the biggest indie game that has released in the last, I don't know, few weeks. Um, And we don't get to talk about indie games all that much here on Game Face because Matt and I are always slammed talking about all the big stuff. Uh, But our correspondent, Vincent Borchart, has decided to check out a game called Haven. And I talked to him about it, and here's his report. Are you all right? Eat it! All right, we're here with our field reporter, Vincent Borchart, who is going to talk to us about Haven. It's an indie game that's kind of a mashup of a bunch of different genres. I have not played it, but I did look into it a little bit to make sure I didn't sound like a fool talking to you about it. And it sounds like it's a mix of, like, a puzzle adventure and a turn-based RPG. Is that right? Yeah, sort of. It's weird. Like, there's three parts. It's part there's a... It's like part visual novel, part like just exploration stuff, and part RPG. Okay. Which would you say of those three has the biggest focus as far as the playtime is concerned? Visual novel by far. Okay, like, so the that's story the thing... is the most prevalent element of it then. Yes, definitely. Like, that's one of the things that surprised me. This originally got on my radar a year ago when they had a demo for it as part of the last Game Awards. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, it was a, and it was like... I'd say about half and half RPG and visual novel at that point, mm-hmm. but that's what I was expecting. But now that I've played it, it's a lot more visual novel than I thought it was going to be. Now, because that's the case, first of all, fill us in on the story. And secondly, talk to us about whether it's good or not. So the setup is that you have a, a couple, K and you, who wound up on a deserted planet now they were fleeing their homeland because it was like there were like arranged marriages or something. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird like the story. I was like, I've never heard a game plot like that before. <laughs> yeah. So they flee their their planet. Is it their planet or is it, or is it just a different area on the planet that they were living on? They flee to a new planet okay. to find this new one that's that's all it's all with these floating islands mm-hmm. and there's earthquakes and stuff. So they flee their planet, but the one that they go to sounds like it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's not terrible, but the, the point is that it's a deserted planet, and then they can't find anyone there but some of the native creatures. Okay, and so they decide to settle the planet, or, or are they trying to get back to their home planet? What's their goal? So the way the game starts is you you just you've got your ship that you crash-landed on. Your goal is to try to fix it up. And that, but then to as go you're home doing, or to just find another planet. Let's get a closer look. We, you, you do that 
they ran away because they didn't want to go back. But then as you start to go and fix up your ship just because you want to make it better, then they find you. Like, they start sending these evil... Oh, your home planet finds where you've run off to. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And then... And then the intrigue ensues. Yes. Don't want to spoil that much about it. Okay. Yeah. But is it good? Did you enjoy the story? I'd say it's it's a very interesting story. I mean, this... It's the story comes out in pieces. There's basically, like the plot is, uh, it's hard to. It just comes out in pieces. Like, like you've you gotta play the game the for a long time, and then there's a ton of exposition just dumped on you at once. Yeah, like I'll get into this in a bit, but there was a part where I was trying to find where the next, how to get to the next story plot, and it was like, oh, they're kind of trying to find you, and then. I go to this next part, and then, oh, here's the actual plot, and actually starts to explain a bunch of the stuff uh, all in one shot, but gotcha. I don't get into that specifically. Okay. Um, now, one thing I did see looking through some footage of this game, it appears that there's, like, a Super Mario Sunshine mechanic. Like yeah, I was going to make like the same comparison. Yeah, so the, the main visual distinction is that you can glide over the planet using this generic energy substance that they call flow okay and then you use this flow and you can as you glide over it you can clean up the the red stuff you see called rust okay it's kind of similar but different to flow but and you use it to do different things like you need to when you find these the red stuff you have these larger red things that give you the rust Mm -hmm. these crude rust fine rust etc you can use that to as one of the th- things you can craft, you can use to craft, most notably, the sh- things to fix your ship. Mm. You can also use it to craft healing. Par- so is that how you rebuild your ship? You collect stuff out in the world, and you come back and craft parts for the ship? Yeah, you need to find just a bunch of generic rust, and then you find the actual main piece that you use to fix it. Gotcha. That's kind of the way this progression works. And then there's a cooking system, too, right? Yeah, you f- you have find a bunch of different fruits and other herbs like the apple dews that are everywhere mm-hmm. and then what do you do with it what can you craft you cook them and you have a there's a hunger system that oh, i hate hunger systems Vincent. it's not that bad okay as far as i can tell is that the only consequence of being too hungry is that some of the super attacks are a little harder to do which okay. we'll get into in the rpg section mm-hmm. but i don't think you die if you go hungry Okay. Um, and the game, I actually saw like very specific mentions about the game being very easy. That it's not meant to challenge the player as far as the turn-based combat is concerned. Yeah, the combat is weird because it's not that complex. You basically have two different types of attacks. You have a punch and you have an energy blast. And then you can combine if you you have each character... The two so you have a two-person party, basically, and it never gets yeah. bigger, right? It's just always you and yeah. your girlfriend or the girlfriend. As far as I can tell. Okay. And then you can do chain-up attacks, though, with your partner, right? Yeah, you get the... If you do them both at the same time, then you time it. You can do, like, a super attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then but I'm you guessing can... the, the way that they regulate that is it's on a cooldown in some way. The, there's no real cooldown. Basically, in order to use any attack, you hold the button until the meter fills up, and then it happens. Uh-huh. Or at least it's supposed to happen. One of my complaints is that since the the combat is so simple, you only have two attacks, a shield, and then like a finishing thing mm-hmm. where you pacify the creatures. 
because you do one character has the four directions of the d-pad and the other character has the four buttons mm-hmm. and, and then so you there aren't very many attacks which means that no. combat is probably pretty simple and not especially strategic yeah the goal is that you're supposed to do a timing like the idea that you can have one person shield when you know they're t- that the creature is attacking and then you can time your attacks so that the you hit them while they're attacking and have their weak spot exposed. Wow. So there's like At least a that's rhythm the point. Is what yeah, that's saying? the point, okay. but there's... it's Everything's so imprecise, it's hard to do that. What do you mean? The controls are too imprecise? Like, you'll charge up an attack and it'll go act like it's going, but then it'll just wait because the enemy's in the middle of the attack or because... Uh. It thinks it is, or I don't know. Okay, so there's some hitches with the turn-based combat is what you're getting at. Yeah. Enough and I'm to avoiding spoil battles the experience, at this point. though? Honestly, a little. Really? I'm actively avoiding battles. Do so you part need of it them? is... That, what? Do you need them? Do you have to take part in battles? Like, do you get a resource from combat that you... You, just... get, you get more rust from doing battles, and you, you get the experience but uh-huh. you don't you don't get that much okay you get a lot more experience from experience the different visual novel scenes that's strange <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, a lot of this so game you get is exp for just watching conversations basically yeah like if you eat you'll you'll like go through a cutscene and then you'll get it because i think because in, instead of like leveling up like with like instead of growing stronger you you grow closer emotionally okay like the whole level up ceremony is you go is you go get drunk and you go talk that's what happens oh interesting <laughs> when you when you fill up the meter of exper- of a quote unquote experience you like go to the ship you go s- celebrate with an apple brew <laughs> oh yeah um so now it appears that there were some choices in the gameplay that I watched for dialogue where you could actually make decisions. Have you seen that that has had any sort of impact on anything later on in the game? Like, have you made a decision where later on you're like, oh, crap, wow, that thing I decided earlier has had an impact here later? Not really. Okay. I don't even, like, there's a bunch of different dialogue from the choices, which is neat. But other than that, like, the only other difference I see is that some of the choices say, like, you has grown more confident Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what that means. Yeah, I was like, so how does that impact what they do in the game? And you don't know. I do not know. <laughs> so you don't see it make any appreciable increase in your character stats or anything? No. Interesting. Um, okay. Um, how much is this game selling for, Vincent? It's 25 bucks. How do you feel about that? How long did it take you to finish it? I'm seven and a half hours in, and it's weird. It seems like there should be a lot more, like... Ignoring the one part where I was trying to find the, like, when I was trying to find the progress, because, like, they, they have the flow threads, and you have to clean up the rust, and I just oh, yeah, missed I know, one. That's for... a, something else I want to ask you about, actually. Yeah. Um, it looks like there there's, like, on-rails gameplay in some way. It Like, you hop onto, like, a blue, like, rail, and you can just fly on it around the environments? What is that? Yeah, so there's basically two ways. The ones on the ground are mostly... They're kind of like filling up your water tank of your flow, like, in comparison to sunshine. So if you run out of flow, you've got to go find one of those to fill back up. Okay. And then early in the game, you you get the ability to fly on those float... On the aerial flow threads for Mm -hmm. a while. And that... A lot of the 
exploration part is just trying to find the right flow thread that'll get you to the area with the next flow bridge to get to the next floating island. Okay, but you can that move can around annoying. freely in the world, right? You're not always moving on rails. Right. Okay, yeah. That was kind of confusing to me, because I saw footage. It looked like they were controlling it, but then most of the footage showed them on rails in some way. So that's good to hear. Um, do you feel like that's a, a worthy addition to the game? Does it need that stuff? I mean, it's interesting the first time yeah. trying to control it, drifting the hit to go along rails because later in the game they get a little more turny but so there's a skill to it is what you're saying yeah okay. a little bit that's cool but i thought it was just like automatic like you locked on and you're no. still on the rail okay then that's totally fine um so you said it's 25 dollars um what platforms is the game available for right now it's available for pc xbox series xbox one and ps5 and it's going to come to switch and ps4 later Interesting. So it's out for PS5 before PS4. Yeah, I'm assuming they just couldn't get it to run on the other consoles. Yeah, but or they're Xbox just like, let's strike easy. while the iron's hot. You know, everyone needs games for their new PS5. It probably will do better on PS5, I would guess. I mean, this yeah. game is sitting at like an 8 Metacritic right now. Um, and that's certainly not going to hurt its sales either. But do you recommend that people buy it? You said you're seven hours in, you're not done. That seems pretty good for a $25 game. I mean, it seems a little expensive for 25 bucks, yeah. but the important right thing the is that it's on there. Game Pass. Ah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. And that's how I'm playing it. <laughs> okay. Um, do you think maybe some of the issues that you had, are you have you downloaded it or are you streaming it on xCloud? Through I'm download, I downloaded okay. it on my PC okay. and I'm playing so I'm going to ask you if maybe you thought some of the hitches in the controls might have something to do with xCloud. But if, you're, if it's downloaded, then that has nothing to do with it at all. Um, so you think it's a little steep, or you recommending people maybe wait till it comes down to like twenty or fifteen to take yeah, the plunge? Yeah, twenty, twenty, fifteen, maybe, or just get it on Game Pass, right? Because I have a feeling this is going to be an acquired taste. If you, it's all you've got to care about the story. Okay. If you're here for gameplay, this is not the game for you. Okay. Um, and right now they're running crazy deals on Game Pass. You can get Game Pass Ultimate for three months for a dollar right now. If you haven't, yeah. if you haven't done a free trial already. Um, and yeah. I have, so I can't get that deal. But if you have not uh, had Xbox Game Pass, then you can play this game and so many others for literally 33 cents a month for the next three months. So no brainer if you haven't done it yet. Uh, Haven may be the last on your list when you get on X game, Xbox Game Pass because there's so much good stuff on there. Um, Vincent, thank you very much for taking the time to play Haven, uh, jumping on a game that Matt and I did not have time for, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Way. Awesome. Well done. Um, thank you, Vincent, for checking out Haven. As I said, we don't cover a ton of indie stuff on the show, but we like to spotlight stuff that really catches our eye, and Haven is definitely one of them. And best of all, as he said, you can get it on Xbox Game Pass. So really, for a dollar, you can get three months of Game Pass Ultimate right now. You can check out that game and so many others, basically, for free. Um, but it sounds like even if uh, you don't want to get on Game Pass, the game is probably close to uh, worth what they're asking for. It. So there you go, Haven. Thanks again, Vincent, for checking it out. Uh, it's time for us to move on. We're going to talk about the next Bioshock a franchise near and dear to both of our hearts, although I think probably the first two games mm -hmm. more so than Bioshock Infinite. Um, no? No, I, I, Bioshock, I mean, Infinite is no Bioshock 1, but I like it better than 2. Yeah. I, I think Black, I, I, think Bioshock, I love Bioshock Infinite, um, but this I is, that's Bioshock another case. I think Bioshock 2 is the black sheep. It is. The, uh, 
Well, Bioshock Infinite, people hated it because they felt like it was a departure from the franchise or too drastically from the franchise. Mm, well, that's, that's funny because my – see, my complaint about Bioshock Infinite is it's not, it's not enough of one. No. Interesting. Um, I think a lot it, of people complain it was just a shooter. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think part of that is because they sort of had to punt on getting it done uh, and getting out the door. Um, but all the shooting mechanics and all the kind of the upgrade stuff are basically lifted from Bioshock 1. Yeah. And I, I have always had a, a theory that they had a lot of uh, more intricate and more ambitious ideas about how that would all work, but they couldn't really get it to work properly. So in the end, because when they and I think when they brought Rod Ferguson in, I feel like he came in and said, just make it like Bioshock 1. Yeah. Just make it, make it tonics, make it, make it, you know, all that stuff and upgrade like that. And let's do that. I think there are too many gunfights in it, especially near the end. But yeah. like, I mean, it just turned into a shooter eventually. Yeah. But yeah. like the departure sense of like the idea that Bioshock shouldn't constantly take place in Rapture, the, the idea that Bioshock should be an exploration of kind of philosophy and political ideas of the modern and turn of the 19th, 20th century and early 20th century and mid 20th century as sort of envisioned through fantastical uh communities is a good one i think you know yeah, like, like the, you know, sure. the idea of, of objectivism that's why being i love examined. the franchise yeah, yeah exactly because you examine objectivism through um you know through the uh through the lens of rapture and you examine kind of american exceptionalism and uh sort of the uh, post post dispensationalist millennialism uh post millennial dis millennial dispensationalism as a as a, as a flying flying city literally a flying <laughs> aspiration called columbia after the name of the goddess we based our secular free society on in terms of a mascot like that's really good mm -hmm. and like you could do something real interesting with communism too like like an underground i, I would wanted an underground volcano based city communism bioshock that would be that would, because you've done the air you've done the water now you got to do fire now you got to do <laughs> underground just hit all the elements um yeah. <laughs> well the big rumor this week about the next bioshock and keep in mind that 2k has launched a brand new studio just to create the new bioshock none of that information is really public yet but if you work in the industry and you talk to people, you know what's going on. And the truth well, is... Well, the old studio's gone, so yeah. they got to do something. And obviously the lead developer from the, the last couple Bioshock games has moved on, and he's working yeah. on his own game now. Um, I, so, I guess we're never getting that Vita puck version, huh? Doesn't look like it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a brand new studio working on an IP that a lot of people really resonate with. And a lot of people have been wondering what's going to happen. Is it going to be... What Matt sort of described as Bioshock, or is it going to be something new? And this week, we kind of got our answer. It leaked out that the new Bioshock is going to be an open-world RPG. Matt, how do you feel about that? Do you think Bioshock should stay what it was, which is kind of really this linear, kind of Gen 7-style action adventure, or if it needs to come into the future and be a part of what at this point really is the mm. best-selling genre in the industry. Um, um the th here's the thing like it's been a long time since Bioshock Infinite. Mm -hmm. It's been almost 8 years. That's, going, that going blows into early me away next year. That it's been 8 years. Um cuz that was early 2013 yeah. that came out and I would say that I am separated enough from that series at this point that they can do whatever the hell they want. Like if it if it turns out to not be what I want from Bioshock, or it turns out to not be a worthy successor to Bioshock, we've still got Bioshock One and Bioshock Infinite and Minerva's Den, like this perfect little 
set of, of Bioshock things, and it can be whatever it's going to be. If it is a great revival of it, and and because you know, I love you know don't you know don't get me wrong, clearly I love open world action RPGs. If they find a way to make that work with Bioshock, super down with it. Awesome. Um, it's just it hard will, to picture. It is hard to picture because when I think of Bioshock, <clears throat> and I'll talk about this a little bit as well when we talk about Cyberpunk. When I think about Bioshock, I think about these kind of curated, self-contained, discrete moments that you have Mm -hmm. in the game. And the old design of the classic action-adventure is perfect for it. You don't have these kind of overarching systems that are all tying together and talking to each other. You can kind of just do whatever the heck you want and then just end it and then just move on to the next thing. Um, When you're talking about open-world action RPGs, though, that really doesn't work because you have the whole world to consider and all the NPCs and all the weapons and all the crafting materials, all this stuff that all has to work together and be balanced somehow, it just organically creates this overarching theme for a game or an overarching, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for, almost like an algorithm that works for the entirety of the game. And so I wonder if changing to that structure of a game is going to work for something like Bioshock. I'm not convinced that it will, but I would say that God of War gives me some hope. Yeah, I mean, I think you can do it. Um, God of War is a good example. My example of kind of what you're talking about there with like kind of balancing the set piece design areas with the open world thing would be Arkham City. Yeah, that's Um, a good one. Arkham City takes kind of a Zelda approach where you have a big open world, but you you play the the, the meat of the story driven stuff in sort of handcrafted dungeons. I don't. I mean, that, Arkham City has dungeons. Like that's basically yeah. what those are when you go in a building and yep. do a sequence, and that's and what it is. Come out of the building, and, um, and you. So I think you can do like an open. You could you could you know I'm sure it won't take place there, but you could explore Rapture in an open world. But then when it's time to fight Sander Cohen. You go into a theater and the whole thing takes place in there, you know? Yeah, I mean, remember, Um, too, that God of War wasn't or isn't a truly open world game. Right. It it looks open world while you're playing it, but technically it's really not. Yeah, it's open air. It's... You know, the closest, I'd say the closest analog to God of War's kind of overall design in that regard is Witcher 2. Yeah. Like, Witcher 2 has giant areas to run around in, but it is not an open world game. Yeah. Um, obviously, God of War you can backtrack more, but uh, it, it is uh, it, God of War does a good job of feeling like it's an open world, but really it's a series of handcrafted locations yep. that kind of connect up into a convincing world. Yep. I would say that's a good way to describe it. Um, and that so, I think could work for Bioshock. Yeah, the true open world like destiny that type of stuff i struggle no, to like, really see how that like, works i wouldn't want like a like just cause bioshock right. you know like that's yeah. not that's not it could, yeah i mean it's the, not a sandbox one way or the other, no it's not a sandbox thing i think you could do a thing where you have the city as as an explorable area especially if they're taking cues from cyberpunk we'll get we'll get to that but like in terms of kind of making the city a character in in the game like there's a lot of opportunity there the que- I, I think, frankly, I think a new Bioshock game, whether it's Bioshock style or open world style, lives or dies by its concept. Um, do they have a good idea? Do they have a reason to make this? Do they have the balls to keep making this political and philosophical commentary? Um, because God knows you could make a very relevant Bioshock now in after the events of oh, the last yeah. half decade. Absolutely. Um, yep. 
you know, does 2K have the the balls to do that? Does it have the chops? Does the new the, studio yeah. have the chops? Who, to yeah, pull who this are off? these people? Like, who can do yeah. it? Yeah, and and like, I think the answer to that is maybe. Yeah, like it, you know, it, it, 2K publishes GTA. It's not like they're afraid of controversy. Yep. Um, you want free advertising? You make a Bioshock game that kind of deals with the alt right uh, in a in a metaphorical way. Sort of like how the First Order does in Star Wars, yep. and I think you got some some at the very least Fox News will yell about you. <laughs> so like that's, yeah, that's that'll good. reach a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, so there's something there. I got a bit. So you basically need you need a point of view, and you need a compelling location. Yep. Um, and but there's more to it like than that. I mean, the there, way there is, but like there's a lot start, of secret sauce in Bioshock. If you don't as far start as with those, stuff. but if you don't start with those two things, you're doomed. You're doomed. Yeah, you have no chance if you don't start with those two. You're yeah. right. I mean, obviously, you need more than that because we've played Bioshock two, and they had the same things in that regard that Bioshock one did, and it didn't work. Yeah, there's it didn't something work for me. special that's sprinkled on those games that make them. Yeah feel like any other franchise to be honest with I you. mean to be honest my instinct on that is to say that the special sauce is Ken Levine yeah uh, and yeah. his and his I people mean, he had working with him yeah. not to get not to get gross about it um but like uh you know I don't want to say that Ken Levine's special sauce but like <laughs> um th- I mean th- those games were a brainchild of him and his co- his inner circle uh, who are not going to be involved in this probably except maybe tangentially um but like so that's a concern. Uh, at the it's same time, it's a big concern. <laughs> at the same time, those games. You know, when was Bioshock One? Two thousand seven? Six, I think. Six. Was that that old? I think so. Um, For some reason, that's the date that popped in my head. So the problem with like some of these uh, problem is with some of these games that go back that far, and I do this too. Like I think they're the year before they were made. They came out because I was doing segments on them oh, that, right. the year before. We're covering it the year before. Yeah. That's not it, probably it, it, true. It is August 2007. Okay. Um, but regardless, um, Bioshock has been around long enough. And, you know, because that's 13 years ago. Bioshock has been around enough that there are people who grew up with Bioshock. Yes, absolutely. There are, people, there are yeah. developers now, young, hungry developers in their mid to late 20s who were 12, you know, teenagers when they played Bioshock for the first time. And those guys and girls know how to make a, how, what Bioshock is and what Bioshock should be. So my, so my, cause a lot of times you see that. And, and so here's, so here's an anecdote on that uh, where I have been reading a uh, curated thing of all the DC crises storylines that go from like 1962 to like the end of final crisis, mm-hmm. which is a span of like 40 years of comics. Wow. Um, more than 40, more like 50. And so it starts in the Silver Age, all this nonsense, and it goes to the 70s, sort of the Bronze Age stuff, and there's like kind of the stuff that Super Friends is based on, and it hits the Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, which is a big crossover weirdo thing that is very confusing if you haven't read the last 25 years of DC <laughs> comics. And may, I've read it before, but like everybody this time has. After, after reading kind of that backstory, like of all that, you know, I read all these backstory things and then I read Crisis. And it's the first time I've ever understood Crisis on Infinite Earths. It wow. was amazing. It was not worth the effort, but it, it was. It was <laughs> but you a, got there and that, eventually. And that was written by, that's written by Marv Wolfman, who did a bunch of cartoons in the 80s, like Ninja Turtles and stuff. Then it, through the, this curation series, where there, it's like a list of things you're supposed to read in what order. You get to Animal Man, uh, which is a, a, a series about a guy. He's a superhero, old, old superhero in the DC universe who can basically, if he's near an animal, he can take on their abilities. Mm. That's his superpower. And Grant Morrison, who's a writer that people know from, uh, you know, he uh, Grant Morrison did um, 
JLA and he did, uh, or they, he's, he's non-binary now. They, they are non-binary. They did a bunch of, bunch of some of the greatest stuff. He did, uh, Grant Morrison did uh, new X-Men, the reboot of X-Men after, um, after the movies and everything. Uh, they're a really talented writer. And one of the first things they did that was a big deal was Animal Man because Animal Man is basically over the course of the Great series. Name. He learned, yeah, over the course <laughs> of the series, he, he the thing that happens is there's a character named the Psycho Pirate who's the only character in the DC universe that remembers there was a multiverse before the crisis on Infinite Earths made it one universe. And he and he beca- <laughs> and Animal Man basically realizes that he is a character in a comic book. Oh, really? And, so he and breaks the, the fourth the wall. Series, he he at the end of the series he meets Grant Morrison in Grant <laughs> Morrison's house and confronts him over all the shit that Grant Morrison has put it wow. put him through. Wow, that's and crazy. And Grant Morrison basically says like, "Sorry, it's my like, job. Uh, it's my it's my job, <laughs> and I sh- probably should have been, not, but I ran out of ideas and kind of turned you into my own mouthpiece for environmental <laughs> issues, and I'm sorry about that. So now I'm just going to put everything back the way it was, and Grant Morrison puts everything back the way it was and interesting and like so but like this is like 1986 87 and like going through like maybe you know 89 and it's this you know 10 years earlier i'm reading these stupid like super friends stories and like you know within eight years grant morrison has like kind of broken the fourth wall and they've taken this idea and turned it on because grant morrison grew up reading these comics Uh. and the instant you get someone who grew up with something that was sort of a a cultural or, or pop culture touchstone for them, they are going to not only internalize it and make it an important part of their identity, but they are going to want to take it further, examine it, take it apart, and, and, and look at it. And so that's why I say with someone who grew up with Bioshock, I would trust them, certainly, if someone's a talented developer or creative If they're director. a big fan, right? If they're a big fan, yeah. like they are going to be able to take this thing, know why it works, know how it works, know what makes it tick, and sort of turn it inside out and make it something different. Because that's what you saw with some stuff like Animal Man, where it's like these 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 writers and artists took these characters that had been around for 30 years through all through their childhood and said, we're going to reinvent this because we have thoughts about this that the people who created it never did. Right. So that's why I, when I say like, you know, Bioshock's been around enough for someone to grow up with it. That's what I mean. Like you can give this to people who who for who Bioshock is one of their cult, like kind of foundational video games of their childhood or youth or teenage years. And I'm going to, you know, depending on who it is, I'm going to trust them to know what Bioshock should become in okay. a way that maybe the people that have, you know, the people like that made Bioshock are in their, you know. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe I Ken Levine isn't even up to that anymore. Right. Like, maybe I don't yeah. trust me to make, like, a new X-Play yeah. anymore. You know, no, I, get like, maybe, I get it. You know, we did. We had our time. Yeah. And, and it's time to, like, see what, what this new generation that grew up with this stuff can to make it into because – that is, you know, especially in the modern day of like kind of the recycling of pop culture over and over again. That's where the most interesting stuff has consistently come from over the last 15, 20 years. Well, it's people, most you know, likely to. I mean, iteration yeah. is much more likely to hit right. than building something from or scratch. Or look at, you know, this is in the news right now. Look at Sam Raimi's, Raimi's Spider-Man. Yeah. The reason Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was something new and different and something that contrasted with how weird and like kind of studio reinvention-y the X-Men movies were was because Sam Raimi grew up reading Spider-Man. Yep. And Sam it took someone it took someone who grew up with this material getting old enough to have the power and the clout to sort of say give me 100 million dollars to make a Spider-Man movie and I'm going to make it into that Steve Ditko Silver Age Spider-Man that I loved. Yeah. And then we got a good Spider-Man movie. And like that's what happened. You know, I'm not saying we we had that problem with Bioshock. We haven't ever gotten a good Bioshock move, uh, video game. But I'm saying like handing these things over, these very specialized and very like 
um, esoteric things over to people who grew up with them and internalize them is almost always the best idea. If you need, if you really, if you really feel the need to reboot or reinvent them in that regard. So I hope 2K is looking towards maybe a younger generation that knows Bioshock and loves it in a way that that they can like kind of take that love and turn it into something new. I would agree that at a certain point, it's better to hand it over to someone new than for the same person to keep doing it. Um, and yeah. I think another example of that that is a little more related to gaming is God of War. Look yeah. at how many different directors the franchise has had. You had Jaffe, who came up with the mm-hmm. idea, started it, basically created the whole first game and most of the second one. Then you had Stig step in. Stig. And he handled a couple entries, and then you have Corey come in. And all of them have done an amazing job and put their own spin on it. And the ultimate end result is that God of War has become better with every entry. So I hear you. I, no, maybe not Ascension. Yeah, well, that does that count? Mm. I mean, that was done by another studio, right? That wasn't done by Santa Monica. I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was. I, I, thought, they, I, thought, I thought it was them. I thought they had farmed what that out What else were they someone. making? But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe you just wish. <laughs> it could be. I don't remember much about it. Which not Santa you Monica. What. Is it Sony Santa Monica? It was not Stig though. It was uh, <clears throat> someone else about directing. Interesting. Um, so anyway, there is certainly hope for Bioshock. Not all hope is lost because Ken Levine isn't working on it anymore. I also have a feeling Ken's a good guy, and if that new studio is working on it and they want to take him out to lunch or dinner or something, I don't think he's going to turn him down. Oh yeah, like you know it's. It's, it's always worth you know keeping the old creator in the loop. Uh, you even I think you even see that with uh, modern Star Wars, like yeah. Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni is one of the brains behind the you know Mandalorian and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, know, he and Favreau, even in the behind the scenes stuff, you see them bring Lucas on and show him what's going on and stuff yeah. like that. Um, you know, it's always worth knowing what the original creator thinks. Because sometimes all it takes is one comment from that person. Yeah. And yes, Ken Levine, I did just compare you to George Lucas. <laughs> that's, that's how much I like Bioshock 1. <laughs> uh, so there you go. That's the latest update on, I don't know if this is going to end up being called like Bioshock subtitle or Bioshock 3. Uh, right um, now we have it on be, the site as Bioshock 3, but. I think it'd be Bioshock 4 because um, I think Bioshock 3 was infinite more or less. Um, Do you think they would really call it 4 though? No, they've never I, had I think internally three? they might. Right. I think it's going to be Bioshock Subtitle. Word, yeah, no colon. Colons are. Uh, I, I don't know if oh, you know this. The, yeah, but they're colons going away. Are out. Colons are long gone. I like, talked about deal. this a few weeks ago, or actually like a month or so ago, though, about how frustrating it is and how Ubisoft will actually put the colon in and then remove it and then put yeah. it back in. It's maddening. Ubi's, Ubi's marketing believes that colons are passe, <laughs> but like there's a, there's another faction in Ubi that believes that colons make more sense, and they're right. <laughs> they are but right. Like, um, but the, the, the apparently uh, apparently Ubi marketing thinks that punctuation is bad. I don't know. Damn. So you're, you're if you look back, like I don't think they've had a colon in an, in an Assassin's Creed title since like Unity. It's been a while. Yep. Yeah, it's been a few years. Uh, so anyway, that is the next Bioshock. I'm guessing we don't see this until 2023. Yeah. I mean, they have been working on it be for a while time. now. The studio formed a little over a year ago, um, but they're still in pre-production right now. There's a long, long way to go. But that's probably why yep. we're starting to hear stuff is because they are doing pre-production and they're starting to figure out what the game is going to be. I'm a little surprised that it took this long. Not that it took this long, but like, 
Um, I'm a little surprised that no one's tried to do a Bioshock TV series. Yeah, it's perfect. Like a Netflix show. I mean, you look at some of these properties they're picking up for shows, and it's like, really? That can't even scratch Bioshock's balls. Yeah, like if I, was, if I saw the success of The Witcher, and I know The Witcher is based on the books more than the game, but let's face it, that show happened because the games are popular. Yeah, of course. Um, if I was looking at that as a TV development exec or whatever, and I knew video games, like my first stop would be Bioshock. Yeah, it's freaking amazing. It's vi- the visual, everything about it is memorable. So I'm right there with you. And I think it will happen eventually. It's just got to. It makes too much sense. Um, okay, it's time to move on to our last topic of Game Phase 240. And hi, everybody who just used the timestamps to jump to this topic. <laughs> <laughs> You missed a really good Animal Man conversation. Yeah, you guys missed saying. a lot. Go back and watch the rest of the show. I do not begrudge you guys for jumping straight to our discussion about Cyberpunk 2077. I know everyone on Sifted is going to do it, everyone on Patreon is going to do it, and everyone on YouTube is going to do it. And welcome. Here we are, finally, after so many years, ready to discuss Cyberpunk 2077. It started eight years ago um, with a teaser trailer that just kind of flew under the radar no one really paid any attention to that was out there then for like the next two or three, four years. Um, and then finally, CD Projekt Red shows us the game at E3. Everyone freaks out, myself included. Um, and the rest is history. It's been a torrid marketing schedule for the game. It has disappeared for patches, but the last like 18 months, it's just been steady. In fact, Los Angeles right now is completely covered in Cyberpunk 2077 billboards. They are everywhere. Um, I was talking to my wife about this game, and uh, I'm like, this is like the biggest game that's come out in like the last half decade. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, I don't recognize the title of it. Because usually she's like, well, that's probably Halo or Mario or Zelda. I was like, no, it's this game called Cyberpunk. Uh, And she's like, oh, I haven't really heard of it. I'm like, you've seen the billboards all over town. And she sat there for a second and thought, and she goes, are they yellow? And I yeah. was like, yes, they are. And she's like, you're right. I have seen them everywhere. So this, this I town. I that yellow, but like it works. It works. Yeah. Like this town is draped in yellow right now for Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, Matt and I, as we said in the open, but again, some of you guys may have jumped directly to this topic. Uh, we've been playing it since Monday evening. Uh, neither of us have finished the game. Um, I would say if you guys know Game Face, you've watched a lot of episodes and you've watch Matt discuss open world games, you know where he is. He's grinding through all the little stuff, uh, not necessarily going through the main path. Um, I have been primarily going through the main path, but the difference is Matt has spent more time with it. So we've basically... I think we're we're both at the same place, more or less. Right, we're at the same spot in the campaign, but Matt, I think you've actually experienced Mm -hmm. much more of the game than I have. What level are you? I don't even know. That's a good question. I'm level 12 right now. I'm probably the last level I remember, but like they happen and like I don't always pick up on it every time. Well, because la- you've got the two, you've also got the streets, the street cred versus the yep. character level, and yep. yeah. Um, the last one I remember is level ten, so mm. we're roughly around the same. But yeah, you're yeah. probably a couple levels ahead of me because you've been doing more of the side stuff. Um, for the purposes of this discussion, and this is going to be a lengthy discussion, so buckle up. Um, we're going to break it down into categories to try to keep everything organized to make sure that we touch on everything. And there is a lot to touch on. Um, probably the way we should start it is to let everybody know what the plot in this game is. Because I'll be perfectly honest with you, Matt. I hadn't even really thought about it until I started to play it. I was like, wait a minute. What is the story in this game? Like, mm-hmm. what is your goal? 
what is the overarching um, trouble that you're trying yeah. to get out of? For, for all the, the media they put out and all the little everything, they've been surprisingly good at not giving anything away narratively. Well, I will say this before we get started. Um, one, as usual, we are not going to spoil anything for you guys in this discussion or with our B-roll. All the B-roll is – all the cinematic B-roll is from the first hour of the game, and the rest of the gameplay stuff is from, I would guess, anywhere from, like, hour three to, like, hour six, something like that. It shows all the systems, but it's not going to spoil anything for you guys. So you guys know that you can watch our discussion, and <clears throat> we're going to take care of you guys and not ruin anything for you. Um, but so I went into this game completely blind on the story, and I'll be honest with you, Matt <clears> – <throat> excuse me again – the game starts and goes on for quite a while, and I still don't know what the story is. There's – when the game starts, the only thing that you know is you are living in whatever Atlanta is now. Things didn't work out, so you're going back to Night City. Um, and you can start from three different perspectives. Atlanta. Well, they call it something else, but I'm assuming it's like whatever Atlanta what's is. Your, what's your origin? Oh, so so here's what I was going to say. Are you are you street uh, street kid? So the game that I am playing to completion, I'm street kid. But because because I don't know what you're talking about when you <laughs> said that. So, so I, but I went back and I played also the first like three hours as Nomad just to try to see mm-hmm. how different each of the campaigns is depending on which one you pick. And what I've basically figured out from the two campaigns is that they're different for about the first thirty to forty minutes. And then you meet meet a specific character, and it, it's, his name's Jackie. And then once you meet him, they're both basically the same, other than yeah. whatever class you chose at the beginning is a part of the game throughout the rest of the game. As far as yeah, you're uh, so, I've, so I I have it on actually have it on PlayStation and Xbox because we got the early copies we got uh, locally or from uh, or on PS4. And then I got it on, I had already pre-ordered on Xbox digitally. So when that went live last night, I played that. So I played Nomad and Corpo uh, openings. And you're right. Like you basically play, you play, basically the idea is you play an opening sequence that kind of deals directly with your origin and you get screwed over and something horrible happens to you one way or another. And Jackie says, like basically says like, okay, well this is going to be our new life. Come on. And that's how it starts. You you get a a little montage of you just doing criminal shit. Being bros. And it's like like six, yeah, it's like six (laughs) months later. And then it's like, then the story. So that's, once you get to that montage, your origin is irrelevant. It's going to be the same game from then on. It's just you get dialogue choices that are prefaced with like Nomad or Corpo yep. or Street Street Kid, and you. Yep. So um, don't sweat picking one of the three at the beginning. Yeah, it's not, it's that, big not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um. You. You. But mostly. You. Mostly, what you're picking is um. What would you like your character to know about in conversations? Yep. So like if you pick like Nomad, uh, you know about stuff outside the city. You know about kind of the world and how it works outside the city. You you know not to trust people, yeah. nature, um, survival stuff, yeah. that kind of thing. Clans, uh, loyalty stuff, yeah. like, kind of kind of stuff that someone who never left because there's a whole thing in this setting where like people don't leave the city in their whole lives, right? Yeah. And so the fact that you've been outside the city. Makes you a bit of a Different. unicorn yeah. in that regard. Because there's not uh, a lot and, outside the cities in this right, world. Right. Whereas, like, my Corpo character knows how deals work. She knows what tech is out there. She knows which corporations don't like each other and which executives are who and why. And, like, if an ex- if a corp person is doing a certain thing a certain way, she knows 
she has a pretty good idea why they'd be doing it that way. Whereas like the other characters might not like, and, and every time I might, I pick a corpo, uh, the response to stuff like that, the other characters are always like, Oh, that's a really good fear. I guess uh-huh. <laughs> like I wonder what have thought of that. It's because yeah. they haven't been in that world. Right. Yep. Um, so that, so there's a reward in that, but basically you're, it's not going to affect your stats. It's not going to affect how survivable you are. In t- you should pick it's your all really conversations. Yeah, you should yeah. pick your your origin entirely based on what you want your character to be able to talk about. Yep, yep. And like for instance, as a street kid, uh, you can kind of see through people. You're street smart, mm-hmm. so yeah. you'll have you'll be in a conversation with someone, and they'll have like the first three options, which are the same options that are there for the other two, and then the bottom will be like oh, I'm from the street. I know this already. This is what's going on, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, could, I, I figured Street Kid would be like sees through the bullshit. Yep, basically. that's pretty much exactly what it is. And it does help you in some conversations because you can cut out a couple of the options and just jump straight to the chase because you're basically just like, I've been living on the street my whole life. I, BS does not compute with me. And that's why I chose the Street Kid because <laughs> that's pretty much how I am. Um, so anyway, as Matt said, you get to night city you meet jackie they showed this corny montage of you guys getting drunk or killing people or whatever yeah and then it's, also uh, it jumps six months conversely uh corpo actually does start in night city oh you start in so, the, in night because you because you, you work for one of the corporations obviously and so like that's the one uh nomad you three, drive from the desert into yeah, the city nomad, you yeah. drive in and a big car chase which is actually pretty great yeah um but uh Corpo, even if you're not going to play Corpo, I do recommend starting a game on it because you get a flying car tour of the city that's really awesome. That's awesome. That is so, really awesome. I want to see that. If you, if you want to see like some Blade Runner shit, like start a Corpo character and just watch that beginning part. It's yeah. really cool. So anyway, after that happens, it jumps six months, and that's where the story starts, and it's the same for everybody at that point. Yeah. Um, and you are teamed up with Jackie, your partners in crime, um, but there's still, Matt, no goal. Like I don't understand what the objective of the game is. Still at that point. Well, your your goal at that point, as Jackie and you discuss, is to make it big. Basically, like you want to be successful criminals. That's that's yeah. that's the whole point. Like they, that's what Jackie talks about constantly. It's, it's sort pretty of like, lame, like, though, don't you think? I mean, no. I mean, it's it, that's a pretty standard crime drama thing. You know, kind of the, the big score, like looking for their big break to get into the big leagues, and and you know, like that's they the say whole that thing over is like, and over. Big yeah, league, that's big the whole league, thing is like league. Jackie want Jackie wants to make it big as a criminal, as a as a as a whatever you want to call these guys, net runner, I guess they're called. Um, like he, you know, and that's the kind of the, the setup at the beginning is like he's got a contact with one of the big fixers, the the people the who give you jobs, high, high level fixers, the good people who make. And and I was a little confused. It's funny the first time I went through all it because they talk about it, it's like oh it's this guy guy from the afterlife and I was like is he dead is he and they're like what well, it no, turns out you know, afterlife's a club right <laughs> so when I played the played the second time and they're all talking about this I'm like oh now I get what you're talking yeah. about like, yeah, because if you were in this in Night City you would know that but I didn't know that because I've never played the game before so um it, it and the funny thing is like it, it that when I looked back up that stuff is a reference to um the old pen and paper tabletop game like there's a lot of stuff they are taking directly from the old 80s pen and paper game um to the point that like you're it's almost treating it like a next gen continuation of it like a lot of the characters that were in the old pen and paper game is like notable characters are referenced or like gone or around you know like Keanu Reeves's character is is one of those um 
it's uh, so there's there's a there's a little bonus there if you sort of like the Mandalorian like if you've seen all the other weird Star Wars content you're gonna get a little references like there's a lot of reference but I played Cyberpunk 2020 which is what it was called back then obviously you can't call it that now because it is 2020. <laughs> um, yep. yeah, I played that Not back then. So slowly, slowly some of it came back to me like, oh, right, that was this, and this uh-huh. is that thing, and that was that thing. It's in, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, so early on, the story is is pretty much... It's just me. You want to be, be a really big, important criminal. Yeah. Like, that's the whole thing. And then there, there's a theme of, like, in Night City, you are either a massive success or you're nobody. You know, it's, 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 the, it's the old big... It's the actually a very throwback concept it's it's like a it's like a ingenue coming to hollywood in a 40s film kind of <laughs> idea you know the, i mean which is act i mean cyberpunk stuff does tend to lean pretty hard on on noir crime tropes yeah absolutely anyway, so um so it does meander like that for quite a while yeah, act, and- act one is pretty much just you want to be a big deal criminal that's it that's it yeah that's there's it. really no objective there's no I mean, there's a plot, but it's basically you just talking to fixers who are giving you gigs Mm -hmm. and you go and finish the gigs and you're trying to rise through the ranks. And so then you get to act two and for all the promotion of Keanu Reeves as being sort of the front man for this game, you don't see him until act two, a good handful of hours into the game. That's when he makes his big entrance into it. Um, How much do we want to talk about Johnny? I don't want to talk about him too much because a lot of it is really spoilery. I mean, he he. It, once once you get to him, he is a major part of the game. Um, what I was getting at is but, that's when you finally have a real goal. Yeah. Um, when, something when you happens. What's actually, you know, we want you to understand what the real core story is. Yeah, and then it's a race against time, and that is really what the store the yeah the heart of the story. Is. I'm not going to ruin what the race right. against time is. But that's the core story tenet. But that is also like, I mean, the first, yeah, that, that is part of thematically one of the things they're doing there, I think, is, um, and I'm only a few hours in act two, so I don't know exactly where they're going with the Keanu Reeves stuff. But like, um, the idea that you are um, a nobody, you know, you're a nobody trying to make it all through act one. And then Keanu Reeves' character, Johnny Silverhand, is one of the most famous people in the entire world right. in, in yeah. cyberpunk. He yeah. is he is like he's a, a celebrity. He's a, he's, a, he's a massive super celebrity who is also a terrorist in his, yeah. in his, in his, <laughs> in his Like that is who he was in the old game. Like that is who Johnny Silverhand is. So you have paired up basically one of the most important people on the planet with this nobody that you're playing. Yep. And so the dichotomy between those two things is potentially interesting and the idea that like i have you know this hasn't happened yet in the story but i assume that at some point v your character is going to sort of be forcibly educated on the idea that maybe being a big deal in night city is not all it's cracked up to be yeah um in more trouble than it's worth maybe um so i think that's where they're going with that and i think the 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 groundwork of um especially if you do more open world stuff because obviously i did a lot more kind of wandering around i wandered the city a lot i i just walked around matt um, the first time i walked onto the street in this game my jaw dropped Um, this is the best city environment in a video game ever it's i will say (laughs) literally my jaw dropped and it takes a while before you just get dropped onto the street when you can do whatever you want and it happened and i was like Holy crap! This is yeah, and freaking it's funny amazing. Like, so you're the first thing after you, you could basically you do a thing, the tutorial stuff. You go back to your apartment, and you're supposed to sleep, and you get up, and like 
then after you get up, you can kind of go wherever you want. Yep. And until you, I mean, you don't have your car back yet, but you can yeah. kind of walk around. And it's funny because the first thing you're supposed to do is meet Jackie. And I accidentally walked near him, like walking around the, the area of the city. And I hear him because like, hey, there she is. Is it? All right, I'll see you later. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm not talking to you yet. <laughs> and man, I, it, this thing, this city feels like a real city in the way that nothing else I've ever played has. Like you can walk up alleys and they twist around into a staircase and twist around into an overpass and suddenly you're on this side of the road. And like, it, it reminds feels me like of Tokyo, the city does, yeah. because everything piled it. on top. It's yeah. not that big. Like you look at the map, the map isn't that big. The actual territory the map, isn't that big. Not true. The map is 12 times as big as The Witcher 3. It is. Yeah. Wow. It's huge. That's surprising it's, it's, to me. The map, the whole map with the with the Outlands included um, is something like five times GTA 5. I have not gone out to the Outlands all that much. I have, however, tried to leave the city. And there's invisible walls there. They won't let you yeah, leave. Yeah, there, there, there are barricades in places. Yeah. That stuff doesn't open up until I mean, later. I've tried to go to the ends of the city. And I guess what I would say more accurately is Night City is not that big. Night City is huge, actually. Like, really? Because that's, that's the thing. I can drive is, from one end well, to the other in like two minutes. You can't. You, you know, you're only in one district. Um, what I'm saying is, because that's what I'm saying, is like Act 1 is limited to basically that one Watson area. Yeah. Because cause as, you, as you as you finish the, the opening tutorial stuff, you get the warning that they're closing off the there, and you have to get in before they close mm -hmm. things off. That close off doesn't stop until Act 2. Yeah, so I mean, I get that there's stuff outside the city, but, like, if you drive to the edge of the city, you can see it's just desert. Like, there's mm -hmm. nothing there. The city stops. So Yeah, well, the, the city is about, I think, half the map. And then the and the outland is, like, surrounding around in, like, a big... I mean, there's not a lot of stuff, as far as I can tell, to do in Outland Badlands. Is it what, what they call it? I don't remember I what the remember name of it is. Yeah. I mean, you drive through it in the Nomad Origin. It's basically farms. You yeah, know, it's, it's not farms a lot there. It's just desert with cacti and there's, and there's some like one area of it is like more farm stuff that like is more green and more functional. Some of it's just like Mad Max desert stuff. Like it depends where you are. So there is a uh, differences, but uh, it's huge. Like, the map is huge from what the stuff. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear said. that because I really because you get these missions and it's like okay, go over here. It literally takes you like a minute to get to each destination, and then sometimes like. You'll get a waypoint, and it'll say 250 meters away. But you have to go, like, all yeah, the way around in a loop just to get yeah. back to that spot. Like, Unless you don't want to, like, risk your life by running across a freeway right. or something. You know, but like, that's kind of how the city is designed. You can't just go straight to anything. Like, you'll get a waypoint. You're like, yeah. that's not very far away. It'll end up taking you a lot longer to get there than you think it yeah. will. And because of that, it feels like a real city. It like, does. Especially, that especially happens like, when yeah, you're yeah, walking like, around okay. a real city. Absolutely. Yeah, and, like... Although most real cities I've walked around do not have quite so many studded dildos laying around, <laughs> I have to say. Just laying on the ground. Uh, that to you your can point, then sell to an ATM. <laughs> <laughs> now, to your now, you said that you think it's the what was your word? The best or the most realistic city in a game? I, yeah, I, I think it is the it is, it is the most convincing, convincing urban environment I've ever seen in a, in a game in terms of feeling like a real place, a, a yeah. real place that could have grown up around itself. And not just like a backdrop. Like it, my comparison, I guess, would be just in recent times would be uh, London in Watch Dogs Legion. Yeah. Watch Dogs Legion's London looks great, and it feel it looks like London, but it's a backdrop. Yeah. It is not a place I would wander around and and poke around in very much. It's a place that where my other the other interesting stuff happens to me. Even still, probably almost probably twenty hours into this game, I will still just walk around this city and see what I see. Because there's just crazy crap going yeah. on all over the place. Um, to your point, I I would agree for the most part. Um, 
the the little things about it that I think lend to what you were saying is just walking down an alley and just finding yep. some like two people like laying on the concrete talking to each other and one mm-hmm. of them's like on drugs and trying to stand up and like holding onto the wall like this crap I've I've, I've seen sexual assaults like mm-hmm. I've seen crazy crap happening in the yeah. alleyways and, to and your- things like. Just like walking by like a police scene and like you see them like doing the holographic scene const- reconstruction of the whatever crime happened yeah. there. At one point I was walking down and like just the, the weird people you see. And like here's an, here's an, one thing I really love is how many people move at different speeds. Yeah, yeah, they're not like, all the same. Some people are in a hurry. <laughs> That's some so people are just funny. walking. Some people are kind of like, like walking. Like, yeah. You can see people like kind of holding like their bionic arm doesn't work right. So right. they're holding it because yeah. it hurts. At one point I saw someone run by me um, and they had like deer legs. They had like these these cybernetic <laughs> legs that just ended in like points. Hooves. Like they they weren't even like feet. They had no feet. Wow. They just had like kind of like little little hoof things at the butt. And they just sort of like bounded past me. Like what the? Fu-? It it felt like yeah. if you transported me to that city, my I would have I would have had to like stand out there on that sidewalk and go crazy for a while before <laughs> I adjusted to it. You know, um, they have fully realized Night City. Yeah. It it's I'll a, agree. It's very convincing. The tone is consistent across the board. Every yeah, character you, you run into like, fits. Every gadget you you see fits. Every vehicle yeah. fits. Every building fits. I love that you fits. can watch like you walk through places and see the neighborhoods change. Yeah, and like scan people and be like, oh, this is the the, the Russian area, and now I've moved more into a place where like uh, like the Chinese immigrants live because the, the names have changed and ca- the characters are more are, are you know the, and the food stalls are are Asian food now instead of. Yeah. Like, it's uh, the the detail and kind of the the it feels like a real place. Like now the fe- one thing it, I would say is most of it isn't interactive. And there's that, not a lot to do. That has really. been my big disappointment with this game's world. This is why when we started ta- when you were like it's the most well realized urban environment. That's why I was asking for the exact word that you used because it's not the most interactive urban environment that we've ever seen in a game. Um, no, there, but, but there's not a lot of is. like little like mini fun like mini games and fun stuff to do like you get in like the Yakuza games. Um, if you try to go mm. into most buildings, you can't go in them. They're just fake doors. Um, it looks very busy and bustling, and it is, but it's all on the outside of the buildings for the most part. Um, yeah, but that's video games. So yeah, I wouldn't say that in 2020. That's video games. I would. I mean, I can't think of another game. The that, Division. The Division Two. You can go in and out everywhere. The whole world is there to just go in and okay, out. Okay, but of. that also that helps that there's nobody on the street for that. I don't think of the Division or Division Two as very compelling city environments. They're just they're just burned out, abandoned places. Like there's not a lot going on in terms of like kind of you know yeah you can't do mini games, but it's like I think it's it, I believe it as a, as a place. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Agreed, a million percent. Like they, it doesn't, make it, doesn't make it a fun gameplay situation, but I I like walking through it and looking at things. Agreed. Um, it's like going to Tokyo for the first time, and you finally is, get into the city, and you're like, right. oh my god. There is, is I think, uh, what you did say about 2020. I think does point to what, and maybe we'll get into it later. This is not a next gen game. No. And not not in the same way that people go, oh, it doesn't have the next gen patch for the ray traces. Like, right. No, <laughs> that's not what we're talking this, about. <laughs> when you play this game, it's not a next gen game. Yeah. It is it is probably what Fallout 4 should have been. I call it Grand Theft Cyberpunk, Matt. There are so I, many I elements would not of this game. It like that. What'd you say? 
I would not insult it that much. Really? Because um, I think GTA Five is a fairly sterile game in terms of being an open world. Well, let me let me um, explain my but comparisons. the comparison is there. I, the driving is there. Grand Theft Auto, and I hate it. Like I get used to it in Grand Theft Auto, but this game, for whatever reason, decided to take the same model. So it takes a while to learn how to like break around turns and stuff like that. But what bothers me the most is when you get in a car, it does that goofy camera angle where it shows the front of the car first, so you take off. And then the camera's slowly swinging. Like, I hate that. I have no idea why Grand Theft Auto does it. I have no idea why they copied it here. I'm not it sure what you mean. It drives me bonkers. I'm not sure what you mean. What well, you... I, I drive cars from third person. I don't drive in first yeah. person. So I, when... I am driving this in third person. Okay. I, don't, I don't find the first person view in this very useful. For driving is hard. For because driving. Yeah. it obscures too much of the vision in there, first yeah, person. Yeah, you have no situational awareness. Yep. You can't, can't see what's I going on like, in the periphery. Yeah, and... I do some stuff first person. I can drive like Forza in cockpit mode. But like this doesn't, the, 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 it's too narrow. Even when messing with the field of view, I, didn't, I couldn't feel comfortable in the first yeah. person. So I drive so cars I... in third person. So when I get in a car, you get into the car and then the camera cuts to the front of the car and then you're sitting there and the camera will slowly start going behind it but i don't want to wait so i just start driving and while you're driving the camera is trying to like get back behind the car you end up like running into something like it's the Mine same thing do, i've never had that happen that happens to me in grand theft auto I, it happens to me here i guess time. sometimes in gta because you're third person but like in this game when i get in the car the camera just pulls back to the back to look at the back of the car, and that's it. That doesn't happen for me at all. You think that's a bug? Maybe. Might be. I mean, <laughs> Who look, knows? <laughs> there's no. I've seen bugs in this thing that I'm just like, are you right? Are you are serious? You, yeah, I know, sorry? dude. I mean, too. We'll get right to that. Now? We I mean, have a look, whole like, section of yeah. this discussion just on the bugs. We'll get to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty. I mean, so yeah, that that could be a whole weird thing that's only happening to you because that seems. I've t- talked to other people that are playing the game, and like everyone has their own fleet of weird stuff yeah. that happens to them regularly. I mean, you'll see it in the b-roll because every time i get in a car it happens so i have tons of b-roll of it so you'll be able to check it out uh, if you're watching the yeah, show mine is like it just it, i get in and it just sort of pull the camera sort of pulls it through the back window and shows the you know, that back never happens for me ever. and uh, but i mean it's rough like it doesn't look good uh-huh. when it does it, it, it you know, you're basically you're literally pushing the camera through the through the character model and through the, the car model it doesn't it's not an it's not an elegant, elegant transition <laughs> by any yeah well i would say this very few things in this game are elegant in its uh, current outside state. of the art direction, yeah. yeah like in its, its current uh, state. It'll get there, I think, yeah. but right now. Um, so as we were talking earlier, Act 2 is really where the story kicks off. That's where you get the whole, I have X amount of time to complete a big yeah. objective. Again, I'm not going to Which I don't like, I might add. You don't, I don't like, like it? I don't, I don't like having a timer put on the main course. I know you definitely won't like it, Matt, because you love to poke around and find yeah. stuff. And, and for me, I'm like, whatever, I'm going to plow through the main quest anyway. No. So, like, I mean, you know, I mean, same thing happened. I mean, obviously, happened when I played Immortals. happens when I play. You know, what's the, as soon as you let me go... What's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to go places I'm not supposed to go. Right. Like I'm going to start wandering around. You know, the first thing I did was wander around. Then when I got a car, as soon as I got Jackie out of it, I was like, okay, I'm going to go see if I can drive out of the area. And I couldn't because of the court, you know, the, yeah, the, the police still have the whole place blocked off. Um, so yeah, that's my thing in, in open world games is like, I want to see how, where I can go, where I'm not supposed to be. Yep. And, um, and I just plow through the game. And that's yeah. why we're perfect to discuss games together because we approach games, especially I mean, open I, world games, I completely finally, differently. When I finally jumped in and like did the story stuff to finish Act One, like Watson was empty of side content. Oh more, wow! More or less. Like I'd done everything that I because some stuff's too high level for me. Some stuff was still marked as like danger level, very yeah. high, and I didn't mess with that. Because if you are if you're out of your level element in this game, you will get two shotted basically. Yep. 
Um, and, uh, but I did almost everything. And as a result, I had a lot of gear. I had a lot of cool cybernetics. Like the, the, the story stuff was super easy because I was not cause I was high level, but because I was really kitted out. Hmm. Um, and so that, that makes a fun. big difference. And we'll get to that stuff too. Uh, the, the unlocks and the perks and the abilities and all that stuff, they dive real deep and we'll definitely dive mm-hmm. deep into that stuff as well. Um, but any, what I was getting at is at that turning point of the story, you do have a real goal and, that's when the story became more interesting for me. I would also say that no one is sacred in this game. No one is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone can die. So <laughs> just go into the game knowing that and set your expectations accordingly. They are not shy about killing off characters that at least I thought were probably going to be there until the end of the game. Once I met them and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I see how we're working together or we're doing this or that. Like This is probably going to be something that's going to build the whole length of the game. Nope. Like, they'll yank the carpet out from underneath you in this story, and I think that's probably all I want to say about it. I yeah. think we've probably said I enough. Was, I'm also pretty pleased that, like, because sometimes in games you can tell who's going to last and who won't by like, the effort put into their right. design or yeah. their character model. Not true here. No, everything's like, equal footing here. <laughs> every every character's handled very well, I think. Yeah. Um, not just with their costuming and things like that, their voice acting, their writing Everything. Yeah, voice acting is very good. Um, Except for, I would argue, Keanu Reeves. I think he's the worst voice in this whole game. Keanu's the problem with Keanu is like, um, and I, I, you know, as I've gone further in Act Two, I feel like it's getting a little better. I just felt um, like I was starting but, to become numb to it, to be honest. Well, part with of the, you. well, because part of the problem I think that I was early on, because like when you first run into him, he's very angry. Yeah. He's very angry and he's acting like an asshole. Mm-hmm. And Keanu isn't good at that. He's really because, not. Yeah, because Keanu nice is guy. not an angry <laughs> asshole. He's like he's nice just guy. bad at acting like a jerk. <laughs> yeah. And like, and it sounds a little artificial when he's when he's being a, a jerk. He and just sounds like, you, and it, I think it's just him. He just sounds like a burnout. Like, he, <laughs> like how he yeah. sounds in Bill and Ted is just kind of who he is. Like, and for this character, it just didn't work for me. Like. I don't know. I hate to he say it because he's like he, the poster boy for the game, right. but well, he absolutely looks the part. Yeah, like he's yeah, a perfect for sure. visual casting. But like if, but if, the, but this is and look, I don't have a lot of preconceived notions about who Johnny Silverhand is as a character. Yeah, just because I never, I never got that far into the in, that much into the pen and paper game. Mm-hmm. But like, if that's your concept of who Johnny Silverhand is, Keanu's a strange. Pick. Yeah, he's supposed to be like this hyper smart conniving terrorist slash rock star, but he's just like, bah, 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 dude. Like, I just, I don't know. It doesn't seem to fit the character, but it's not so bad yeah, that like, it's like it feels like they want that character to be like a laser. Yeah, like you know, but he's and, a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, and like and Keanu, Keanu's trying to play him that way, but it just yeah. isn't working. And like, look, part of it might just be like. Voice acting's hard. It is hard. Yeah. You know, like, and someone who's, you know, if you're an actor Try for to a read time, something you might and think, record yourself yeah, sometime. Yeah, <laughs> you might think you can do it, and it's just not quite there. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, you know, people train for years and years. I, you know, I have a friend who's a professional voice actor. He started when he was, like, in his mid-30s, but he took classes for four years before he got a professional gig. Like, yep. it's a real thing. But all the um, other voice acting, amazing. Top all notch. the other writing, amazing. Like the the one music, uh, freaking mind-blowingly amazing. Vic, 
uh, Vic, the the Ripper doc yep. you go to, he's like the main guy you go to for your cybernetics. Yep. That's one of the best performances of the year. Yeah. His, his voice acting, I think. But he's you very, know what, though? Some of the scenes with him and Keanu, because of Keanu, the scenes are a little weird. Like, mm. I, you can tell that the stuff was recorded separately and that they weren't yeah. talking to each other when they recorded it. Maybe that's... And that they, and that they um, probably couldn't get Keanu to come in for re, re- right. tracks. yeah. Because you know, like you he's, kind of work he's around huge, and you were lucky to get him in the first place, even for a game this big. That's a huge get. Mm-hmm. And but the your, music- your character is also very good. I, I, I'm, I've only played the female version of V. I'm playing um, the male, and he is freaking amazing. She, yeah, she, the, 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 the woman, the voice actress is very good, too. Like it's, it's you know, look, it's coming off of The Witcher 3 is not a super surprise that yeah. you know, CD Projekt has good English voice acting. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't dislike good. Keanu's performance, but it's... Not on the level it of stands some of out. I mean, Jackie is a fucking great character. Like Jackie is, sells himself inside of the first three lines. Dude, like I fell in love with him within like a minute and a half. Yeah. Literally, I was like, I love you. I hope we're gonna be best bros forever. <laughs> like, yep. they they and did. So you are. Like it's like you know yeah. you, you buy him as your best friend in this world, and it, you know like it, immediately. And, and, as, yeah. and as a valuable person because you know life and you know humanity is kind of cheap in this in the cyberpunk yeah. world. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you have this genuine best friend is great. Like, and yeah. it works. Like that that whole situation, though, all of act one rides on the relationship between V and Jackie. And the actor playing Jackie makes it happen. Yeah. It's really well done. And he's also kind of a softer character amid this very hard world. Yeah. Um, well, he talks all the time like a, about his mom and yeah. his wife. And he's always like, I need, to, I need to check in with the wife and let her know what's going on. Like. Especially because he's such a huge, you know, he's a giant dude, yep. like big, tough, you know, muscle guy. And like, I even there's even a scene where, yeah, where you, heavy. Run in, yeah. you run into a guy who's bigger than him, and he's like, "Oh, you work out, bro? You yeah, know, like, what, do you, <laughs> yep. what do you do? You know?" And the guy's just like, "Mm mm." Like, yep. no, okay, yeah, the writing and the voice act is great, and eventually yeah. the story also becomes great. It takes a while, and I'll be honest with you, for the first few hours of this game, I'm like, "Oh my god, there is no story. Is this it?" Am I just going to run around and just like commit crimes and collect money for 50 hours? No, I've, I've seen enough noir that I knew pretty much what they were doing there. Yeah. Um, well, they do get to it. And eventually the story is really good and it is riveting and you do care and you care about the other people, not just V. Um, and despite the fact that most of these people are terrible people, terrible yeah. people. The other thing I would think I would say is, is, is neat and refreshing is that your character V is – like not like just sort of a stoic badass. Like yeah. V V gets scared of things. Oh, yeah. V, v yeah. knows that they live in a horrible, vicious city, a horrible world. Like they and and like when things start to go weird or bad, like V gets nervous. Like yeah. and and you can see that like you know you are still supposed to be sort of you know only like half a year into your new world as a as a roving net runner criminal person, and like a lot of the shit you end up in, you know, as you're trying to make it big. One of the, one, you know, and this is true of any career, really. Like when you start to make it big, everything starts to feel a little overwhelming. And V reflects that a lot of the time in the dialogue. And I thought it was really well done. Yep. Um, and then you there could are. easily have just done this as sort of like a straightforward, like GTA hero, sort of like, rah, who cares kind of thing. Or even worse, as a silent protagonist, but they did not do that. And, and V works as a, as a person, I think. Well, no, another thing that reminds me of GTA is how you get your missions. Because it's like you just go someplace, right. you watch a little cutscene with a dialogue, then you go off and get your mission. There's a lot of stuff in this that made me think that CD Projekt Red 
took a good bit of inspiration from GTA for this game. Whereas in the past, they kind of just did their own thing and was like, let other people copy us. Um, I got I a lot of GTA G- vibes in this game. There's some GTA influence um, right down to like where you're doing something else, sometimes even main story related. And you're like, can you people stop calling me? Yeah, like, or just, just like, like <laughs> the people around you shut up. Like there's times yeah. I'm trying to hear like important dialogue and there's so many people standing around yeah. me just saying random crap. I can't hear what I need to like hear. Yeah, and the, the sound the sound mix is a little muddy in places. Um, the other thing is like it's because like it, the, the sound mix is quieter. It feels quieter on the Xbox to me. Hmm. And so I turned it up more to be able to hear more about what's being said in places. And but sometimes like I'll run into a pedestrian and I'll either talk to them or I'll accidentally try to pick I'll try to pick something up and talk to them by accident. Mm-hmm. And last night I was uh, I ran into this. There's a guy who's leaning against a railing in the first area you come out of your apartment to. And the last time I talked to him, he said something funny. So I went to talk to him again on the second playthrough on Xbox. And I talked to him. And for whatever reason, his voice line was like nine times louder than the rest of the game. Have you noticed? Like I, well, I mean, was, we're, was, we have a bug section weird. later, but have you noticed that like you'll just start moving really fast out of nowhere? Yes. Like I'll be yes, following. Is... I'll be doing like a walk and talk where they force you to walk really slow, and you're just like following the character talking, and all of a sudden you'll go. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. That happens There's because so you. Much that happens random because you stuff like that. that. That's not random. That happens because you step over an object, and the game is trying to kind of re re-glue you to the floor and it pushes you forward to like get you to a flat surface there's videos online of that happening like where you can like see people, it like where the you can whole see body and I, and I, people doing it during a gunfight and they jump over like the wrong bag or something and they get thrown like a mile that way like they fly, i mean like, i've seen crazy blocks. again we'll it's talk ridiculous. about bugs later i've seen crazy crap in this game they have it, this thing came in real hot it did yeah. <laughs> like it um, probably should not have come out this year. We'll yep. get to that. Um, trying, um, trying to wrap up the audio. The music in this game is freaking amazing. Matt, Phenomenal. I'm Incredible curious to hear soundtrack. your your impressions of the music. I love it. You love like, it? It's, it's, yeah. Like I mean, I mean, I'm not super in all the hip hop stuff, but I like synthwave and sort of the the old kind of like that kind of like the cyberpunky whatever you want to call it's the techno. genres. That's techno it's stuff. techno. That this whole soundtrack is freaking techno. Um, and techno has been is this electronic genre that when it all started and blew up, everything was techno. Like my mom calls everything techno. She doesn't right. know Tec- what house me, or trance or drum and bass is. Any electronic music to her is techno, and that's the way it yeah. started. But techno actually is a very specific electronic music genre that's known to be a little more robotic, maybe a little more abrasive, mm. a little more like machine-like. I think most people use techno interchangeably with EDM. Exactly. And it's not. The, techno yeah. is a very specific subgenre inside electronic music. And that's what this soundtrack is. So if you listen to the soundtrack of this and you like it, you like techno. And the techno that they have in this game is freaking amazing. It is so good. I would argue more than anything else in this game it sets the tone for the game. It's oh, very yeah. alien and strange, but still melodic and still kind of soothing at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. it's just really good. Um, and this there is have coming been times from... when I've driven places, and I when I've gotten to where I was going, I stayed in the car to and finish to keep the listening song, to the music. which I never do yep. in, in open it's world so games. It's so good. But, and this isn't yeah. even like the licensed stuff that they got from like Grimes and the other artists that they worked with. This is just the OST. Um, I'm going mm-hmm. to buy the OST, and I never do that. So 
I wanted. To, I, we hardly ever talk about music in games yeah. in Game Face. It's so good. I wanted to bring it up today when we discussed it. So I bought an OST this week. You saw it on Twitter. Some people, I think. I didn't. Which one? Um, I bought the new. Uh, they did a new like symphonic and like remastered OST for ActRaiser. Oh, uh, that's a good. Company, that's a good sound. France, and they, so it's a CD and a vinyl, and I got the oh, nice the full set. And for, I actually actually got in early enough that I get a signed little thing from the, from the composer. Have him sign like your vinyl. It. So uh, it's a little like statue thing or something that they that he signed. Ah. Um, but I, that, that, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, Done. that's awesome. But yeah, just like this, like I was like, I thought the same thing when I was playing this. I'm like, am I going to buy two game soundtracks in the same week? Like, that's a, that's <laughs> a landmark experience right it's there. It's really good. The music in this is really good. All right, let's start talking about the design of the game. This is an open world action RPG with all these systems that are going on under the hood and they're all talking to each other. Um, let's talk about character creation first. Uh, pretty limited, I would say, Matt. Yeah, shocking. I, I, was, I actually I was ended surprised. up with women's fingernails because, <laughs> like, you, the art that they use to show you the different, it does, you can't tell. So yeah, after you, I you created my character, zoom. I see the hands, and he's got fingernails that are like this long, <laughs> and I'm like, really? And there's yeah, no way to go back. There's no way to go back and change the character once you create him. So make sure you've sealed the deal the way you want to before you start the game with that created character. I was a little surprised that in a game where you can install new skeletons, I you can't change your hairstyle. <laughs> like, yeah. that's a little or weird. Your nails. Right? So it's just this every time I see my hands, it's just like, it's just bizarre. I look like Dracula or something. <laughs> but the, char- the character creation is very limited. I was. Yeah, I was shocked by how limited like, it was. You have a lot honest. of options in certain certain parts, body parts, but like I was shocked. There's no sliders. Yep. like to to fine tune anything. Like that it's seems just like basic. And for most things, like there's like twelve noses, and there are like ten ears, and there are like fifteen eyes to choose yeah. from. There and are options, penises. but not a ton. Um, <laughs> and so- two penises, which I have never had to do in a game before. <laughs> I, I almost completely skipped over that. Yes, so you set the anatomy of your character, male or female. And if you choose a male, you can either look like Ken or you can have <laughs> – are there three penis sizes or there's two? two? There's two. There's, there's three penis sizes and two penises. You're going to have circumcised or uncircumcised. Right. And you got big default or large or big default or small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and the trick is if you uh, if you pick big, sometimes it will clip through your pants, pants and your wang <laughs> is just showing in the cutscenes. Yeah, that I chose just the normal size or whatever, and uh, I, nothing like that has happened with that. But mm. I have noticed that like my wang disappears. Mm. Like my so I'm playing as women and women with vaginas. You only get one vagina option. You get several pubic hair choices. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one one of my characters is green. One of them is pink. Yeah. Um. And not that it matters. Yeah. Never um. But like the <laughs> so one of the things on that is every time I change clothes in the menu, it flashes. I, I my character flashes me before she gets the new clothing on. So that's great. And periodically in cutscenes, her pa- on the Xbox, her pants will disappear. She's just and the vagina is there. Just has no no pants on at all. Completely naked from the waist down. And then when the cutscene ends, she has her pants back. <laughs> Now, my so character's wang just there, disappears. But... Like, some, like I'll be up in the morning, like, looking in the mirror, and it'll just be Ken down there. It'll just be gone. 
Like I oh, oh, can I also say how much I appreciate their mirror solution in this game? Oh yeah. Where like, you know, because one of the most expensive in terms of hardware things you can do in a game is do mirror reflections. So the way they do they deal with that in this game is mirrors are fogged over unless you like lean into them and look in them and activate them. Well then you them. push a button and it's just a video feed. And just a, yeah, it's just a footage of you yeah. like looking in them and you can you can you can pick a bunch of facial expressions, none of which really look very different from one another. <laughs> and You're then right. you can stop looking you can stop looking in the mirror. Yeah. It's like your narcissist meter, I think that right. whole, that whole interface yeah. there. Uh, let's start I talking about that. Was some very of the funny. Like stuff. you've got a lot of cool visual tricks going on, but there's like, oh, we can't reflect all this shit in a mirror. What are we gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's start talking about more of the design because we still have a lot to get through. Um, there are multiple difficulty settings. A lot of them. Uh, the game defaults to hard when you start it. What did you play it on hard? I'm on normal. Yeah, I, um, I took it down a notch to normal, which is weird. I usually leave it on the default. I do kind of regret it. I don't it. think it's default because when I uh, – I think it's wherever the cursor is. Oh. Because when I started the PS5 version, hard was highlighted because that's where my cursor was. When I started the Xbox version, normal was oh, okay. highlighted. Well, I did, end, I did end up choosing normal. And it does think- have an impact on the game because the second playthrough that I played, I went back and I did leave it on hard for that other one. And even in the limited amount of time that I played that other game save, I could see the difference in the yeah, it's, enemies. Yeah, it's, it's and substantial. The enemies are kind of bullet sponges in this game, in general. Early on, for sure. Like, I'm get, I've gotten to the point where I've specialized in my, uh, my handguns that, like, very few guys can take more than two headshots from my pistol. You definitely um, feel the difference, man, when you upgrade yeah. stuff. Like, you see it and you feel it. Um, I'm, I'm concentrating on rifles, uh, so like, so, am I. so like machine guns uh, rifles, and stuff like that. I can yeah, rifles definitely. are my go-to weapon. Although I am slow in the background, I am upgrading my blade stuff because the katana is probably the best weapon in the game mm-hmm. if you can find a good katana, mm-hmm. and if you can kind of kit yourself out to be durable enough to close the distance. Like you can kill guys, you can kill like the big cyborg guys in like two hits when oh, you've wow. got like the right the right perks in place. Um, you feel it. Like your upgrades. Yeah. There's very few upgrades in this game that you don't feel like make as a difference. Like you, you, even just like little things, like the one that gives you like uh, like added percentage for crits if you're firing a rifle from behind cover. Like that changes everything. Well, then all of a sudden you use yeah. it and you're like, oh wow, look at my crits firing off. Yeah, yeah. The, the like well, look at this guy who I would have had to stand and like empty three clips into. He just died in two headshots. Yeah. You know, it's it's. It matters, and that's great. Like, it is it's, great. Um, the enemy AI is really bad. Um, yep. They are they'll basically just like Un- unbelievably stupid. <laughs> yeah, and frustrating. They're just basically it's like, making just it. Poke your fucking head out. Just stand up. Yeah. I'm gonna kill they're you. They're just anyway. trying to make it hard to hit the enemies, but yeah. the enemies actually aren't smart. They're not thinking. They're not working together. They're not flanking. No. They're not communicating with each other. They're just. I don't even know what AI saw, routine they're on. Last night, because you can run into these, they're like marked with like police stars. They're basically like shootouts that are happening between the police and gangs. Yeah. And you can help. If you sh- kill the gangs, you'll get a reward from the police. Last night, I, I found one and I went in to help. And I, I, I killed one guy, one row, like, gang member from behind. And then the other, it was like three cops and three gang, like Maelstrom gang guys. And they're all kind of like fighting over this one like little planter box in the middle of this like patio. Uh, and one of the cops just threw a grenade in the middle of the planter box and it blew up and killed all of them. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, okay. Stuff so like that I'll happens just, in this game. Yeah. So I just went and picked yeah. up everybody's ammo and <laughs> sold all their guns. And that was, I mean, I, I came out of it. Okay. But it's just like yeah. stuff like that happens all the time. You know, 
that's sort of what I'm, and partly what I mean by when when I said that like this is a not a next gen game is that that stuff is amusing, and it's fun to watch, but it's stuff we've been amused by since GTA three. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know? Yep. Um, and so, as far as upgrades are concerned, you're constantly getting new. And I will say that the gear churn in this is way too much. It totally brings me back to like Destiny, where you have like eight of the mm-hmm. same gun, and each one's like a sliver of a percentage more powerful. That's what happens in this game. Um, yeah. But when, I had to establish a rule where, like, if it's not more than 10 points higher than what I already have, I'm just going to ignore just it. Just ignore it. Yeah, and you can sell all your junk very easily if you want sell to. Sell it or break it down for crafting. Yeah. You, I mean, it's 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 much easier to navigate than, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey's inventory. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. But, like, it's but still... But it's not as good as Valhalla's. No, it, <laughs> right. It's... it's uh, Valhalla is kind of an elegant solution to that idea where it's like you get one of this type of axe and then yeah. you can just sort of like upgrade it as you yeah. see fit. And that's where the resource churn goes goes in. And they, the funny thing is they actually have that in this game. You can craft and improve your weapons, but they ask yeah. for so many freaking resources. Yeah, I have never done it. I have not it's, crafted um, anything because i'm like well, bro i'm not gonna give you all that for a freaking silencer no well and then that, well now so like that's like there's you, you they literally have the valhalla system in the sense that there are what's called iconic weapons right. in the game uh-huh. and and they're designed they're named and like they're they're substantially noticeably better than kind of comparable weapons of the same type well, their power level's and, higher yeah, and you're supposed to be able to upgrade them with crafting to keep them relevant through the whole length of the game. The trouble is, like, I can't remotely afford, no. even after this much much time, to, I'm to upgrade I'm way too afraid that I'm going to need it for something else. And I'm like, my right. gun's already working fine. Like, I'm not going to spend them on this. They're, I'm going to need to bribe somebody yeah. later on or craft something else that's more important so the one thing i have noticed is that like early on i felt like i was kind of really like you know you know seesawing my way through combat uh but once i got kind of the perks and and levels in place like that i wanted you know i I started developing towards the rifle perks and sort of into the, the the specialization i wanted like it's really easy like it's very hard to run into something that i'm not gonna kill and like you know like the the one of the 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 big act one kind of finish mission where you're you, you if you screw up you can be up against a lot of guys at once and i thought i was going to instantly die and i killed like 12 dudes well, i just intentionally like no went in guns blazing because of what you said i know i'm not going to die the health is so plentiful in this game and oh yeah i have like i think i have like 130 of the health inhalers it's like at this if, point. If you, like it's, right like if you just pay attention you will never die if, yeah. if you're just looking at your health, you're like, oh, I'm half full, and use health, you'll never die. The only and time you're going to die would, is when you just stop paying attention to it and get caught right. up in a firefight. And as a result, I would actually suggest playing on hard. Yeah, I do regret now playing it on normal um, because it. you're right. It has become easier as it's gone on. Like The enemies aren't scaling in tune with V, the abilities that I'm getting, the weapons that I'm getting. Um, you're right. As time has gone on, it's become easier and easier to win each skirmish. And that doesn't motivate you to keep playing. But the good news is it's inversely proportional to the story. The story starts out slow right. and then it ramps up as you're, as the actual challenge of the game is starting to go down. The other thing I would say too, that we should have mentioned uh, when we were talking about conversations is the branching story paths matter. Um, so there's one mission and it's a primary, uh, campaign mission where you come back and you've discovered a bunch of stuff on this mission that, like, basically some betrayal. And the character who you did the mission for is like, hey, did you come over, come across anything else on your mission that you're not bringing up? Basically hinting, like, 
hey, you know this person's going to betray me. Are you going to tell me about it or not? And I decided to tell them that this person was trying to betray them. And I ended up getting more money for the job, like an extra 10% cut Mm. of the job. So the decisions that you make – now, I don't know – what I don't know is, is if some of the decisions I made – it's hard to talk about this without spoiling anything – ended up affecting something that happened to that character later on. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case or not. I have not played enough to know – how big the ramifications are of this, the decisions you make in the dialogue trees. But I do know specifically that I got extra rewards because of choices that I had made in the dialogue trees. So there is at least some impact on the game, um, what you say in your conversations. Um, and we already talked about you know, the, the systems are working well. They worked well together. There's basically two main things that you upgrade, your abilities and your perks. Your abilities are the big categories. And then within each one of those are separate things that you can upgrade, and those are your perks. And you get separate points for that. Um, And it does start to get a little confusing because, as you said earlier, Matt, you have, like, your street cred rating, which is different from your level, and the perks are different from the... It it does start to... Street cred more unlocks the ability to use or buy certain items and to get certain side gigs. Yep. Um, it gets confusing. Which is good. It, 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 you, I mean, you get it eventually, but yeah. early on, you're they're throwing a lot of bars and numbers at you. And, and you're they don't explain oh, much, what... and what they do explain isn't explained no. very well. There was the one thing. So here's a question I have. Um, so early, early on, like when I was, because at the very beginning of the game, when you first go back to your apartment and go to bed, uh, T-Bug, your, your kind of your operator, says, oh, there's a there's over at the at the the hack shop. They want I, I set it up so they're gonna give you a thing for free. Go over there and get it when you can. And it's the the game says like this is important to your hacking skills. So go do this when you get a chance. So the next morning when I could finally leave the building I was in, <laughs> I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go do that before I go talk to Jackie, which is how I started wandering around the city the first time. And on the way to that, I passed by this air this one area and a little tooltip popped up that was like there are hidden, hidden goody like treasure things in places that aren't on the map. So you got to keep an eye out for these things. And I was like, "What?" Okay. And I looked around and I was like, "Okay, where is that? What's oh my god? What am I looking for? Is there a sound? There's no sound and no indication." And I wandered around until I found like a. It was basically like a dead net runner who had like a really good cyberware upgrade on her, and that I can't even use until I'm like way, way further in the game. Yeah. Um, but I found it. I got, I'm like, oh, cool. Like, that's a cool thing. Like, that was, that's nice. I mean, there's no real, it basically is encouraging to explore. When I played the Xbox version, that tooltip never popped up. Like, I, I, I never got an indicator uh, near, in that same area. I did not get that tooltip. It and could I, just and be I another bug, it again. Matt. It could be, but I'm like, <laughs> so there's, it's just telling me, because I was confused by that, because I'm like, did, did it, do you mean like there are specific locations I'm supposed to look for, like caches of cool loot? Or am I, are you just telling me kind of generally keep an eye out for I didn't see that at all. Up? I never got like, that tooltip. And like that's the kind of thing that I early on in this game I felt like it, a lot of stuff felt a little more vague. It the, it is it this be. game is vague. Like how things work. Like I've had to go into menus and look at like the control scheme a couple different times to remember mm-hmm. how to do certain things. It's a lot, and it's not explained especially yeah, I, well. I had to go into the controller layout picture to remember to figure out how to put my gun away. Yeah, for stuff like that, absolutely. Yep, and I've been doing the same thing. So you're not alone there. Um, but I will say this, the leveling does feel meaningful. You can feel a difference. Yeah. The balance just isn't there. The enemies do not level. And I don't know if maybe on a different difficulty setting, they've done a better job of this, but at least on the default difficulty setting, normal, it, they do not keep up with you as you level up. 
Um, and it does become quite easy after a while. Um, brain dance. Biggest disappointment for me in this game is the brain dance. It's like playing like an Arkham game. It's like detective yeah. mode from a Batman game. It's I fine. Mean, it's, more, it's got more to it, but it's still the same concept, still the same idea. It's fine. And for, you know, the first few times I did it, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And you have like this little like spider bot that you can control. And um, there's puzzles that they work into it. And you're right. It's more robust than what we've seen in like Batman games for the most part, but I still got tired of it after a while. It's still really just like scanning the whole room until you get the ping and then you scan it and then you scan the next ping and stuff just kind of happens. Um, yeah, it's a little too guided. Yeah. Would be kind of my, my criticism yep. of it. Like, like if you wanted me to sort of scrub through the thing and find, you know, you, you can highlight stuff because part of the trick of the brain dance thing is, you can only really look at things that the, the person whose brain has been scanned is can see. Yeah. So like, it would be maybe more interesting if I, if you get, but on the timeline, if there's a clue, like it pops up a little like highlighted rectangle thing. It says like, here's where the clue is. It's like, it's a little, it feels a little by rote. Yeah. I I, I, to me, I, I, I feel like it was maybe a feature that they're like, this sounds cool. And then they build it and they're like, this isn't very cool, but we can't remove yeah. it. So we're gonna... like in testing, like no one understands how this works and they can't find anything. And it's just frustrating. So let's just make it really obvious. Yeah, it could be. Um, I'm not a fan of it at all. In fact, I'm going to... The brain dance is also what's giving people epileptic seizures. Um, Yeah, which they did uh, not bother to put a warning. What video game doesn't have an epilepsy warning? It's the only one of every... Even indie games have them. So what this is, is um, because this has been going on in the press and Twitter a lot, but like what it is, is when you do the brain dance, you put on this little like visor thing and it's got these little little rectangular light things on it and it flashes strobe like white lights at your character's face to to represent being put into the brain dance trance or whatever. But the problem is that that can actually trigger epileptic seizures seizures. in real people. And it did, in fact, trigger that in one of the reviewers. She had a grand mal seizure. When the wow. when the brain dance thing hit, and she she she's still not fully okay. And in response to her criticizing the precious game, people started sending her epileptic trigger videos, and it caused more seizures for her. So she is on she is like, you know, back back square one on that because holy shit, are you not allowed to criticize this game on the internet? And I'll, and hey hey and hey, like I haven't finished the game yet, but I read that review, and I. Don't really disagree. I can't argue with any of the points that are made in the review. I just think they're going to bother everyone a different amount. Mm-hmm. Um, so the stuff that it was brought up in that review, I haven't seen anything that I'm like, no, that doesn't happen. Like it all does. Yeah. But I think a big part of it is is you, you know, personally. How much does it bother you, that element mm-hmm. of the game? How much does that element of the game that you really like, how much do you like that? And that yeah. ultimately Well, is- also, like, I'll, I mean, look, I I am still at the point right now where I would call this game good, not great. Um, it is not my game of the year. Well, I, I'm much. not ready to say any of that yet. I have not finished it. I am going to finish it here in the next couple days yeah, before we have there. our game of the but year like- discussion on Tuesday. Um, and I'll I'll see where it goes, but so far, and I don't mean this just in the sense of Act One being kind of like a, a setup act. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, so far what I see, and like this ties into sort of the trans issues that have been part of it, kind of using them as a sort of a fetish object in the advertising you see around the city and that kind of thing. Um, 
this feels to some degree, while it does feel like a pretty solid noir story, like kind of tech noir story, cyber noir, you want to call it, kind of like what Blade Runner was, like Blade Runner was not really cyberpunk so much as a noir story set in a cyberpunk city. Yeah, it's very similar. Because um, cyberpunk didn't really exist as a concept yet. I mean, Matt, um, I would argue that this the, is just another Matrix movie. I, somewhat. I mean, I well, mean here's the thing. The ma- this the could Matrix, be, like, the, I keep thinking at the no, end of well, the game, no. they're going to be like, and you just watch The Matrix 5. Like, well, <laughs> The Matrix is cyberpunk, so yeah, like, that's, that's but true. They're but even, but like, the, when you meet Johnny for the, the first time and you're backstage, there are the Matrix screens on the computer monitors running backstage. Did you notice that? Well, yeah, everything's got that kind of green rain thing going but, on. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that's, a, that's an intentional reference. Yeah, I'm of sure, course. Because yeah. it's, Keanu, it's Keanu, but, yeah. like, like what I'm saying is that uh, so far, at least, while the story is an interesting sort of crime story and like the, the character examination of Johnny versus V is interesting in terms of a treatment of actual cyberpunk. It's a pretty surface level thing. Yeah. Like they don't That's have what anything I was getting to, at when I was talking about the story. Basically, It's like they don't have anything to yeah. say about what they're doing in the extreme fetishization, not just of trans people, but of like, like the sexual element of kind of the culture. They haven't gone there. They don't really have anything to say about it. It's just there because either you expect it or it's there to shock you. It's edgy. Well, I think and it's like, there because the, they they want to be woke. They want their games to be woke. They don't want no, a bunch of complaints after the game gets out there. No, and, they don't. Really? No, that's, that's wrong. The, the, the problem is that it's, the, it's not woke. It's anti-woke. Like that's the problem. It's like they, they make. Well, they don't know how to do woke. That's the problem. That is part of the problem. They tried to do they, woke, they and they have no clue how to do it. Right. They think incorporating it is progressive. Right. They but think really just putting it in is good enough, right. and it's not. But that's not how that works. Yeah. And the other thing I will say in terms of this, the setting, and this is part of my real problem with the game in terms of sort of how they approach the material. Uh, this this game and cyberpunk as a as an IP, this game does not take place in our future. It does not take place in our timeline, like 2077. Like the idea is not that if, if we happen, if I happen to live to be 101 years old, I am not going to see Night City because Night City was established in the 90s. Right. Like yeah. this is a, this is very much a cyberpunk that is rooted in the 1980s when this IP was created. Uh, the USSR still exists in 2077. <laughs> um, yeah. There's still Cold War elements to things. There's still that fear or feeling that like Japan is going to own everything right. at some point. Like it feels like an 80s retro throwback idea of cyberpunk and not a relevant to 2020 cyberpunk Interesting. thing. Interesting. Um, which is both disappointing and kind of, I guess kind of expected because you are I would also argue ID. that you may be one of a thousand people who may pick up on that that's true <laughs> but, but like my I'm still sort of kind of holding that line where I'm like this is this may be and maybe that's one of the reasons they called it just you know in part because it's IP but calling it cyberpunk just without any other extra, you know kind of dress up to the title is kind of it because it is literally a throwback to when cyberpunk emerged as a genre and yeah. it doesn't have much else to say about itself the city is a character yeah one of probably the primary character in the plot <laughs> yeah. i mean let's be honest i mean the other characters talk about the city more than they anyone talk about else other people in the yep. beginning of the game yep. like that this night city is brought up as a thing more often than almost any other character in the game and it happens a lot in real life i talk about la all the time when yeah, i lived in philadelphia true. i was very proud to be from philly like it's just they nail that part of it but the overarching kind of big idea plot not as good as i had hoped yeah, and I it makes me understand why they kept saying this game was not political. Yeah, 
because it is, I mean, obviously there are politics in anything that are going to deal with corporations and sort of the mega corps treating human life as disposable yeah. and money. All, obviously that's all there are the, the advertising and how it treats yeah, human sexuality as sort of a cheap leverage thing rather than something to be actually treated as, with respect. Um, and, but the thing is like, Yes, it's not really, it doesn't really have anything to say about politics in the 21st century because it's entirely rooted in the politics of the Cold War. Yeah, it is. Era. And it doesn't, hasn't really gone much further than that, which maybe is an interesting commentary on the state of political discourse in Poland, maybe? Or like, I don't Euro- know. Eastern European Eastern Europe, game like, development I don't know, in I don't general. I know enough about that to, to make that decision. But like, it feels. And I'm, you know, in the same way I say that it's not, doesn't feel like a next gen game. It doesn't feel like a next gen story. It no. feels like a throwback. Yep. In some, and some, in some ways, I like that in terms of kind of the noir references. Like I dig that. I think that's cool. And I think it's, I like that noir genre. But at the same time, I wish they'd been a little more ambitious in terms of what they wanted to say, or even having having something, something to say. say. They have not. Yeah. This game has nothing. At least yet has nothing to say. Doesn't feel like it now. I I hope I'm proven wrong before it's over. It feels like you're telling some compelling character stories, but it doesn't feel like you've. It's like you have this whole world, which is basically one giant metaphor, and you're not really doing anything with. And you're not even. You know, the basic part of cyberpunk is the punk part, not the cyber part. The punk part is more important. You have to be up against these monolithic corporations, and the problem is, at least so far. The game is kind of okay with you siding with them. Yeah, I do it to. all the time. No so, it has a, there's so no it has a detriment to it. There's no deterrent. Right. So my my thing would be like, it, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is a real point of view problem. Yeah, because it can't it lacks take a one. point of view without locking you out of your choices. <laughs> but by yeah. giving you so many choices, it can't have an opinion on its own setting. Yep, and I find that very bland in the end. Yep, um, let's talk about gameplay controls. I already mm-hmm. talked about the vehicles. They take a while to wrangle. Eventually, you can get good at them. They still feel sluggish. They still feel like they stop really slow. Would you agree with all that? Um, I feel like they're okay. Uh, I don't. I, I don't have a reaction really positive or negative to the vehicles. My issue with they the vehicles feel like is Grand that Theft Auto. Sort of. Like it depends which one you're driving. Like your your default car is pretty is fine. Like I don't. It I don't turns know like a bus. <laughs> Turns all right. I've tried to do a three-point turn in the street, and I had to do like a six-point turn. Like, I feel like mine's. I feel like my car is pretty responsive overall. My problem is, um, I have done some. Well, you get side different missions. cars. Wait, which, I have done. Which class are you using? Like your starter car is different for each one. Um, like street kid same... got like my street kid got like a huge like hoopty. Oh, so the nomad the same... got like a like a turbocharged compact. Yeah, the nomad and the cor- and the corpo have the same car. Oh, okay. As far as I can tell, they're the same car, okay. and I find that one responsive and fine. Okay. Um, the uh, my my issue is uh, it hasn't happened in the main story, but there's been a couple side missions where I had to drive someone somewhere or go play, and they do this thing where they have like planned kind of scripted events happen to sort of slow you down or like you know add to the story of what happens, and the game tries to sort of automatically stop you or kind of like like sort of like it sort of takes over the driving a little bit to try to make you like not ram into the truck that's scripted to go in front of you or right. like that. And it doesn't really work every time. And so, and it doesn't, you don't know what's happening. It's a little subtle. So sometimes you're like, why isn't the fucking car working? And like, but in, it, it just, it's a very, it's a very mushy solution to things. The, the gunplay in this game, I'll just say it's terrible. It's terrible. It does, I don't feel anything firing these guns. And I'm feeling crap, like the dual sense is shaking mm-hmm. in my hand or whatever. But I don't feel it. When you shoot these guns, that you do not feel like you're shooting that gun. 
Um, that's kind of what I meant when I said that it feels like what Fallout 4 should have been. Yep. It, the shooting in Fallout sort of feels very much the same way. There's no yeah. weight to it. There's no impact to it. The sound effects, the hit, the the hit mark, all of it. It's all missing. It's just you're just shooting into what feels like paper mache enemies. You know, um, actually, you know what? The one time I did feel like it had it was there's there's a sequence where you play a brain dance for uh, someone with a very powerful gun, mm-hmm. and that felt. Like how it, the whole thing should feel. You like get when you crazy like, weapons you're taking, in this. You're taking heads off with one shot, and like you saw guys like really falling back when you'd hit them in the in like the Johnny's gun. handgun. Johnny's handgun is what I'm talking about. Yeah, oh, okay. like Johnny's handgun. It's is, a house wrecker, dude. Yeah, that one's great. <laughs> that, that felt good. Like, That's the only uh, weapon like, that felt good in like the, the whole the game. Base, the base pistol should feel like that. <laughs> and like the, the that, bigger one should Johnny's be gun more. wouldn't just blow off their heads. It would blow off their neck, too. Like, I'm okay be... with that. Like the, <laughs> yeah, it felt good. Part of my, part the of rest the of it, though, this, crap. Part of the reason the, ga- the game feels like it has bullet sponge stuff is because there's no appreciable location damage. Like, it doesn't matter where headshot you Headshot or nothing. Headshot, yeah. I mean, headshot matters in terms of the damage you do, but nobody reacts to being shot in the leg. No right. one reacts to being shot Yeah, they don't, like, the grab shoulder, their leg you know? and then fall down on one knee. Like, there's none of that stuff. Like, they try... There's, like, a ragdoll system, and I've seen yeah. crazy crap happen with oh, that. Right. Like, if you're throwing explosives, <laughs> you're going to see some stuff. Yeah. Well, that's sure. the other thing. Throwing grenades in this also feels like crap. You throw the grenade... And the grenade comes out of your hand and jumps up in the air into this like arc. It's mm-hmm. the game. It's like to a me, weird hand physics thing that doesn't make any sense with the character's hand. The, the game to um, me does not feel good to play at all. The traversal terrible. Like just climbing over something feels so awkward. Like it's not. It's like it wasn't there, and they added it like last week. And they're like, "Oh, people need to climb over stuff." Well, crap. <laughs> like in gunfights, you get caught on stuff all the time. Like. What you don't realize is in games like Call of Duty or any of the other big shooters, there's all this stuff on the floor, but that stuff has no hitboxes. Like, you can able, you can just run over it like it's not there. Now, a chair or a couch, sure, but if you have, like, a bucket on the floor or a broom laying down on the floor, you shouldn't trip over it. Well, this game has hitboxes for everything. So, if you're in a gunfight and you're strafing side to side or you're trying to get some, di- like, you'll get caught on something and then it just all falls to crap. They should have hired somebody to handle the gunplay in this game. It is not their wheelhouse. It is not their forte. This, to me, from what I saw at E3, was the most disheartening thing. Was feeling the gunplay for the first time with my own hands and feeling how crap it was. And I don't even know. I don't know this for a fact. But I'm guessing if you go back and look at what I said after E3 when I was blown away by this game, I probably said... It looks blah, 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 but I'll wait until I put it in Mm. my hands. And now that I have it in my hands, to me, the gameplay in this game is below average. Probably the best Um, way I can put it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't bother me that much, as much as you, but it is there. Um, I I think part of it is uh, this is one of those games, it's one of those first-person games where you can look down and see your whole body. You know, the, the body of the character is still in the world, even though you can't see it. Yep. Just like Fallout, just like Bethesda's games. And Bethesda, to me, has the same, a lot of the same problems where you step over uh, objects and it kind of messes you up. I mean, Bethesda games uh, tend to handle it by just randomly hurting you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you've, always, you've done the thing all the time in Fallout or, or Skyrim where you step on the wrong thing, it catches you between a, 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 a geometry object and itself, and it just decides to hurt you for like 1% of your health for no yeah. good reason. This thing has the same problem, and I wonder if it's part of like you know rendering that the character model all the time, and you can't really. There's no real elegant way to tell the game when I'm doing this. 
in a gun ignore fight, it. You yeah. should you should ignore the bucket. Mm -hmm. But if I'm walk just walking towards the bucket and I'm not in a gunfight, I should be able to kick it. Um, yep. Not that it kills me because the game is really easy. It is so generous, it's like it's yeah. it's just annoying. Yeah, that's what it is. More than I don't anything. find the melee combat particularly satisfying either. No, it There's feels no, crappy too. I feel no connection with that. No either. impact. Yeah, no yeah. impact. That's what I feel about all the combat in this entire game. And I do get it. This is an RPG, and it is more about numbers and crunching and stuff like that. I'm just telling you, if you're somebody like me who really places a lot of emphasis on how a game feels to play, you're going to be disappointed in this game. I, I don't know what also, they, they can do something to fix to, it, but... It doesn't have to be like that. Like, it doesn't. Can, like I yeah. said, they should have hired somebody who works on shooters. Like, they could have told them. I could have told them. Send me a build. I'll tell you, this gunplay well, sure feels like knew. shit. <laughs> I'm sure they knew, but making it that and knowing it needs to be that are two different things. Because there's all these little tricks that developers yeah. use to nail that stuff, and they don't have a person to do it yet. But maybe for the sequel, they will. This game has lots of set pieces. I was pleasantly surprised by that. However, they are very bad if you compare them to <laughs> set pieces in, like, Call of Duty. Like, there's crazy car chases, and, like, there's one thing where, like, a robot is stuck to the hood of the car and you're trying to shoot it off of the hood. And it's fun, but it's all just very janky and they like mm -hmm. the it doesn't have like the polish that you would get in like a Sony first party game yeah. or a Call of well, Duty also game. It, in the it's particularly in the in the shooting in the in the car chase stuff. Yeah. I never feel like it's hitting what I'm aiming at. I don't you, know if it does. I think once like enough bullets enter that hitbox, the vehicle just explodes. I, I feels, honestly think that's what happens. When I'm usually trying to headshot guys, and it feels like I'm like I got the reticle on their head. There's I'm, no I, point. I'm like I don't know. Man. I think like, you can I'm, shoot the radiator of the car and be just as successful. Because that's what I started doing. I just started shooting the front of the car, and I was blowing up the cars just as quick. I do that sometimes, and they just sit there. They gotta <laughs> catch on fire, but they wouldn't blow up, and it just. It just feels like good. Lot, it feels like there's a lot of hit scan tomfoolery happening. Here. I agree. I agree. I think there's a lot of tomfoolery going on with this game in general. Like I can see in this game where they did tricks to make stuff work, whereas mm -hmm. in other a lot of other big budget AAA games, like they've just built it so it works. And in here, you see kind of like them trying to work around limitations here and there. Um, what else? We're running out of time, but there's so much to talk about with this game. Um, let's see. No, actually, maybe we got through all of it, other than the bugs. Mm -hmm. um, so if you've read a review for this game, you know it's got buggy bug issues. If you played The Witcher 3 when it came out, you know that most of CD Projekt Red's games have bugs. This game definitely has bugs. I've had crazy ones like my penis disappearing, um, everything from that to like just objects changing from like solid to like this invisible like blue wireframe uh stuff just disappearing in general people disappearing um Jackie sits on nothing a lot yeah i there was one one level i was on where i needed to meet jackie at an elevator we get to the elevator and an enemy was inside the elevator just bouncing up and down like this inside the <laughs> elevator and i'm trying to shoot him while he's like bouncing up it, like stuff like that but i have really not come across anything that like wiped a save or i lost progress or i lost like a cosmetic or a new weapon like to me all that stuff has worked fine for me but there are bugs everywhere i've had it crash yeah, out to the ps5 desktop once i've um, had it crash out to the ps5 desktop at least nine times geez. um happens a lot and it. sometimes yeah. and sometimes when i reload it in my settings are gone so i've I have had to that happen that. um subtitles um, won't go away Subtitles hang. 
here's another thing with a subtitle. So I play with subtitles off as, as well, you know, yep, me too. Um, but if you turn the subtitles off in this game, there's no subtitles for the foreign language. Yeah, there's there's no translation then. So yes. there's a scene early and for early on, I was like, okay, well, like, I guess I, my character just doesn't understand, you know, other, other languages or, no. but there's a scene in the story with all in Japanese and about halfway through, I'm like, am I supposed to understand? What's I, happening I did here? the same thing, man. And I turned this, go and turn the subtitles on and when I turn the subtitles on suddenly it, it, and it displays it like in kind of Japanese uh, characters. And then it sort of morphs into, into English. So clearly that's, you're supposed to be able to understand what these characters are saying. Your, your, your software is translating it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I don't want to read the English, I don't want to read what the actors are saying before they finish saying yeah. it. I don't, I don't want subtitles, but I want to understand what Japanese subtitles say. I can't believe there's no option for that. Like there's no option for foreign language subtitles on it. Like that's absurd that that's yep. not there. I had the same problem. I had it in my notes here too. But you it's were, just, you, it's I'm glad crazy. you mentioned it. It's, there's a lot, there are a lot of bugs. And some of them are funny yeah. and cool. Some of them are just really annoying or stupid. But I haven't had any game breakers yet. I've had a couple. I mean, game break. I mean, they're game breakers you can solve. Like many times on the PS5, I have been doing a quest, and the quest objective wouldn't update, even though I finished it. Like, I bet, uh, yeah, the, I had that too. And I had you reload an auto save, and it fixes it basically. Yeah. Um, or a characters missing, and you're supposed to go talk to them, and they're gone. Yeah. Or the the the, the or they the won't activate. Yeah. Like this game really just has. The full gamut of bugs that you've come across in your yeah. entire life. It has, like, all of them. To be clear, both next-gen ones, they run fine. Yeah. Like, it looks, it's look, it looks great on PS5. It's you know, definitely not next-gen. It doesn't look yeah, like... Don't worry. If you've seen that video, of uh, the, the, the video is going around on Twitter of, like, the PS4 vanilla version that looks like something that came out of, like, a like a, like a <laughs> PS2. Like, yeah. don't worry. It doesn't look like that on, no. the, on the PS5. No. Like, don't worry about that. But um, it does appear unless, that if you have a PS4 base... Or yeah. an Xbox One base? Don't. <laughs> you don't, may don't. want to just, we, we not just wait. even buy it's, it. <laughs> it looks awful. And, like, that's not cool. It's not. Like, it's, I mean, this game was originally built for those platforms. Right. It, it was, was never going to run on those, Matt. Never going to run on them. It was not going <laughs> to happen, dude. It no, just wasn't. <laughs> it, it looks and now like we're watching, all seeing it. it. It looks like watching like you know, where people take like PC, the PC versions of things and turn everything down to, like, zero settings. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the 98D make like or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I think we've touched on most of the big elements of the game, but now the question remains, the game just came out. Should people buy it, Matt? Is it worth 60 bucks? Or When they buy for next gen, it'll be more, but it's 60 bucks right now. I, th- I think it will be eventually, but I don't know. I mean, I, th- I obviously it's the hottest game of the year or whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Um, so I don't expect people to wait, but... I think you'll have a better experience if you wait. I know you'll have a better experience if you wait. Um, There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. It is a fact. But I would still say go buy this game. Because, Matt, there's nothing else like it, man. There just isn't. Like, despite all the things that we've talked about, the issues that we've had and the bugs, there's no other open-world game like this one. Like, the minute I stepped onto the street, like I said earlier. I knew it was going to be different than any other game. Just seeing everything that was just happening and seeing people turning corners and going down alleyways and just the the activity of the city, um, the setting, hearing the people talk for that first five, everything about it. I was like, oh, this isn't another Assassin's Creed. This isn't another GTA or another GTA clone. This isn't another division. It is its own thing. And there are so few of those now. 
Um, I wholeheartedly recommend buying it at 60 bucks. I would say more if you have one of the new systems. And more so if you have, yeah, definitely. If you have a PS5 or Xbox Series X, no brainer, go buy it. Um, I, it is a PS4 Pro, buy it. Um, Xbox One X, buy it. Base Xbox One, base PS4, watch some footage on YouTube before you take the launch. <laughs> That's exactly what I would suggest. Um, but otherwise, like, it doesn't live up to the hype i think that's what's every what everyone's question is does yeah. if you're asking me shane have you enjoyed playing cyberpunk as much as you thought you would when you saw that e3 demo way back when no definitely not it is not up to the quality standard that i thought it would be based on that demo um a lot of the the one thing i would say is that a lot of the stuff that was in that demo that really impressed me you get right away and so when I saw that demo, you're seeing a vertical slice. You don't assume that's it. You assume, I'm just seeing a little slice of this, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. And where there's going to be all this other stuff in addition to it. And really, there wasn't. Like, all the stuff that was in that first demo that rocked my world, like being able to bounce bullets off of objects, it's all, you get all that, like, immediately. And you fiddle around with it for a while, and it is cool, and it is really fun. But at least based upon what I've played so far, it doesn't evolve beyond that. Like, they kind of give you all that cool stuff at the beginning, and then yeah, it gets you, more powerful. You get, like, an, yeah, you get enhanced versions of it, but you've sort of seen the trick. Yeah, already. and the problem for me with, you know, my reaction to when it was first shown and to what I'm playing now is that I did not think it was going to be that one-trick pony. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like, wow, if this is the stuff they came up with for this little piece of the game that they can show me, then my gosh, what are they going to do with a 50, 60 hour opus? And that was sort of the perspective I was coming from. So yes, I am ultimately disappointed in this game from mm-hmm. what I saw. Yeah, I, would, I, saw. I would say I like it. I don't love it, which is a disappointment. I do think um, I, I do love it. I, I am, I'm not done with it, obviously, but part, and also part of it is I, you know, I have played it a little more, I think, and I played yeah. a lot more of the open world stuff. That's I've true. wandered around and done it. Yep. The open world, the non-story stuff, the open world side gigs, the 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 random cri- the crimes you can break up, the police stuff, that kind of thing. They're all the same. Yeah. Like you just go in and you kill a bunch of guys and you loot everything and you loot the main container and you get XP for it and it's over. Like, th- like there is no variation to any of it. Uh, and maybe that changes moving forward, but even I the script it. stuff where the, <laughs> even the script stuff where the fixers are calling you and telling you what you need to do. Like there's, and then there's like one where I, I got where they're like, Hey, we would really like, this is something I, I have a question about. I don't know. Uh, the, uh, the, the kill, you, when you grab guys, you have like the option of like kill them or, or take them down non-lethally. Yep. And like I had a mission where uh, basically I was rescuing. They get a back up. If, that, if that's rescu- what you're getting to. No, okay. no. Because they they never have. They have for um, me. They have absolutely gotten back well, the, up so the, after I a, incapacitated one. Well, there's yep. a Buddhist monk I was supposed to rescue, and it was, I was warned that like the Buddhist monk would not want me to kill anyone for for his sake. So for I'm like, okay, reasons, so yeah. so I went in and I all, all I there were like ten guys or something, and I went in and I specifically you know I assassins created my best <laughs> my best way through. I grabbed every single one of them and like and knocked him out with the non-lethal takedown and like a, like a taser thing I had. And I got there and he sat there and he was mad at me because I killed people and it didn't matter. And then another time there was so another he, guy. In his mind, you still killed him. You didn't incapacitate him. But like they, I didn't, there were a lot. Like, I know that's I what I'm saying, but the game just did not register. Yeah. And then yeah. like another time 
There was a I was, that may be a bug. There's another gig where I'm supposed to chase. There's another gig where I'm supposed to chase a psycho, a cyber psycho guy, and they tell me like, oh, well, you have to. We want him. We want him uh, alive because we want to hack into whatever. Da-da. So I'm like, okay. And I was avoiding that because I didn't have anything non-lethal at the time, but I accidentally wandered into the mission. And the guy was trying to kill me, so I had to fight back. And I shot it. I used my rifle, and I killed him. And I got this message saying, like, hey, thanks for getting taking him alive. We're going to really f- learn a lot from this. I'm like, what? Like, I, I killed him with a fucking grenade. Those like, are bugs. Yeah, that's my guess. It, it's just not registering stuff the way there's no, there's no option for that. Like, there's, you know, I don't know. Like, it was weird to me that, like, it didn't matter what I I've did. I've had goofy stuff like that happen all the time, Matt. And I'll be honest with you. I just kind of brush it off. I'm like, because I don't know if I'll ever figure out if it's a bug or a feature. Yeah. I just, like you just won't. There's so, That's the like, thing with this game. Is it a bug or an oversight? There's so much matter. stuff that's, like, not working exactly how it should. Right. Or little glitches. It's hard to figure out, like, what's supposed to be some weird, like, cyberpunk visual anomaly or what's just, like, a freaking yeah. bug. <laughs> it's really and it's getting weird. up at me. When we, when we, when I put it in, put the disc in Monday night to install it, it installed and it also installed, like, a 48 gig patch. And then the next and day, another 24 the next day gig patch. It was, like, patch. a 24 gig patch. <laughs> yep. So, like, they're, they're working on it and they're supposed to put up another patch to deal with the epilepsy issue mm-hmm. um, or at least to put a warning on it. Um, so for that, I basically, as soon as you go in for the brain dance thing and that, like, watch yourself, like, if you have a proclivity, yeah, or if you don't, you know, look, like I always worry about it because like sometimes you don't know until it happens. That's true. It's you know, absolutely until you true. get exposed to the right flashing light or right, the whatever, right like, it's never, or the it's wrong. never happened to me, but who knows? Yeah. You, you don't know? know for sure. Um, so to me, this game is a buy and it's a buy right now. Um, I, I have all these games still sitting that I haven't finished. I haven't finished Valhalla. I haven't finished Immortals. I haven't finished Watch Dogs Legion, which is a pretty good analog to this. But this is the game that I want to keep playing. And I, there has not been a game that I wanted to keep playing as much as this one since The Last of Us Part Two. So, and, and Ghost of Tsushima. That, I lumped those two together because they, like, they came out. They're right so, at the same time. They came out yeah. so close to each other. So those two games, like I have not played a game that I have not wanted to put down as much as those two since this one. So I do recommend buying it at full price. I think we all can trust that CD Projekt Red will keep working on this and will eventually get it to a much better place. But I honestly, I haven't like bugs that bother me are bugs that wipe out my progress. Bugs that that wipe out my time that I've spent playing a game. My time is really valuable to me. Like every hour I have earmarked to do something for Sifted, for myself, for my wife, whatever. Games that take that away are the games that are deal breakers for me and I will not recommend. This game has not done that for me. There have been some funny bugs. There have been some annoying bugs. There have been some bugs that I didn't know if they were bugs, but none of them have like crushed my soul. So with that, I will actually recommend that you pick this up, but with Matt's caveat that Definitely watch some YouTube footage of the base PS4 and the base Xbox One if that's all you've got right now because there are some definite issues with those. And any closing uh, comments from you, Matt? No, I mean, I just uh, – I, I more of a lukewarm buy recommendation. I just feel like you're going to have a better time if you wait for them to fix more of it. You will, um, for sure. And, uh, you know, the, the only reason to play it now, I think, is just is just like wanting to be in on the hype and the conversation about it, yep. uh, which is fair. You know, it's, it's fair. It's, yeah. not, it's not like you got to buy like $120 special edition or whatever. It's just 60 bucks for the whole shebang. You're getting DLC, story-driven DLC next year. It's going to, you know – Maybe. There's, there's, there's value <laughs> we'll there. see. Well, I mean, they, it's coming one day. We Someday, don't know. yeah, for free. Um, yeah. 
But like uh, my main thing, it's like I would say I'm kind of in the opposite boat in that I have found it very easy to take breaks from this game. Really? I haven't, man. I get sucked into it. I just keep going. No, I'm not particularly compelled to just obsessively play this thing the way I was with like Ghost of Tsushima. Wow. Um, and I don't know why. Like, I don't, it's, it's just it, maybe it's partly because I expected any moment for the damn thing to crash and have to redo all my I, HDR settings again. I honestly, but like, I think for you, it's just subconscious, and it goes back to what I was saying that this game is like a bunch of stuff snapped together. It's not this mm-hmm. overarching thing, this living, breathing organism that you just kind of assimilate into and live with for a while. It is very much just chunked up into pieces, and that part of it I do kind of like. I don't. I'm never in this place where I'm like oh, I'm in the middle of this and I really need to stop playing and do this other thing, but I can't save yet or I don't want to save yet. This game is just like, I finished that thing and now I can save and I can go on my way. And in that way, like you said, it is very much like an old game. Yeah, I guess I feel like in that way, I do kind of feel that like, it's a little less than the sum of its parts right now. I'd agree. And I I think that isn't, I think that's not permanent. Doesn't have to be permanent. Like they could smooth it out into something that's that that plays itself a little better in terms of sort of an overall package. But right now, I feel like, um, especially based like, like you said, based on your tolerance for various bugs, and I haven't lost any progress on anything either. I haven't lost any time. I've just lost, you know, settings or or had to restart or whatever for various things to get around bugs. But like. If you if you, if the kind of the quality and the flow of the experience is important to you, it is not currently in the state to support that. Yep, I, agree. That, I guess how I'd, how I'd put it. <clears throat> okay, um, so not a not not rec- I'm not not recommending it, but I am saying it'll be better in March. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, but you can also say that about pretty much every game. It's always going to be better than what it was at launch. Usually, somewhat. I just have much more faith in CD Projekt Red to fix their shit because we've seen them go through it because they Cause always release broken time. games. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so there you go. That's our first takes on Cyberpunk 2077. Um, so for next week, obviously, we're doing a Game of the Year episode, uh, and we'll talk about the Game Awards before we go into our Game of the Year awards. Um, maybe we'll touch on this again. I'm not promising it. We'll see. Um, there's also a, a possibility we may do another episode of Game Face before the year is over after the Game of the Year episode, and if that's the case, we will absolutely talk about it again along with probably Immortals and maybe maybe a couple others that we've had more time to, uh, or more chance to spend some time with. Uh, and with that, it's time for Q&A, and I'm going to put on my reading glasses because I didn't print out the Ooh. Q&A because you guys got them to me a little bit late today. I asked for them late, so it's my fault, not your guys' fault, to be honest with you. But you guys were awesome. You got questions into the official uh, thread in our forums and on Twitter. Uh, the first one, let's see here, comes from... Oh, I'm sorry. This It just reloaded and took me to the top of the thread. Um, sorry, guys. Here we go. From Steve D. Um, oh, no. No, I'm sorry. I've totally botched this whole Q&A. I'm sorry. I, I literally had this queued up on my phone to the exact point. Hmm. And when I open my phone back up, all of a sudden it's back to the top of the thread. Okay, I've found it now. I've actually got to it. Um, first one from Best Jeppy from Sifted. Uh, what's your thoughts on CD Projekt Red not making any console review code available? Um, what's your thoughts on reviewers only allowed to use B-roll provided by CD Projekt Red? How has the launch of Cyberpunk 2077 possibly affected your views on CD Projekt Red? Uh, it hasn't affected my views on CD Projekt Red at all because... 
I haven't really had that high of an opinion of them in the first place. I mean, I respect them for the work they do. Um, I don't like the fact that their entire community attacked me and they didn't step in and help. Um, so, and they know it, they know that it was going on. So that bothers me a little bit. They didn't even reach out to me and be like, Hey, some of our fans are crazy. And yeah, I know they're threatening to kill you and your family and all. And that sucked like nothing. And they knew this was going on. So my impressions of CD project red, like on the human angle, um, has not been that high, but I don't care. I don't really care what they do. All I care about is their video games and how good their video games are. We had this discussion a couple weeks ago. This is something that Matt has a different perspective on. I just look at the game and say, is, do I like the game or do I not? And so I'm not going to have my personal feelings for CD Projekt Red get tied up in my opinion of the game that I share with you guys here on the show. What's your take, Matt? Um, I mean, my opinion of them has gone down since The Witcher 3, mostly in how they've handled some uh, issues with the LGBT community and just not addressing those things like strongly enough. Like they, they, they do the minimum to think that they think they can get away with and not get tagged for it basically. Um, and uh, they're the, the ultimate representation of, of that, you know, like that, that element of things in the actual game is disappointing in the sense that that is a, you know, the, the kind of the, the, the idea of what, what that would be in 2077 um, and just kind of the direction things are going, like maybe it doesn't, maybe if you're extrapolating from 1988, it doesn't <laughs> work the same way as it does from yeah. extrapolating from our society now, but it just feels like they, you know, there are no significant trans or gay lesbian characters in the game that I've found so far. Um, it just feels like they just sort of ignored it. Yeah. And uh, and used it as they sort of the back, uh, they used it as window dressing <laughs> and they used the LGBT community as window dressing to some degree in terms of sort of the setting and didn't address it narratively. And I think that is either lazy or cowardly, one or the other. Um, and uh, maybe there's more stuff later on. I mean, obviously, I, have, I haven't played the whole thing, but so far I am unimpressed in that regard. It doesn't change anything about how I feel about playing the game. Like I am, you know, in terms of playing the game and recommending someone play the game, I am much more likely to say, hey, the guns kind of suck over like, you know, it doesn't deal with trans issues well. Yep. Um, but both of those things are, are things to discuss and talk about. You know, I am not as irritated with CD Projekt Red over the gunplay as I am over there. Uh, lack of a lack of ability to handle trans issues well. I am much more irritated with the game itself for the gunplay, in in contrast, because that's what you have to play with, you know. Got it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, CD Projekt Red. While I had a very high opinion for a long time, like I I feel like they they the, the the shine is off that diamond for me to some degree. And uh, in terms of like what they did with you know no console code, like look, we played the console versions. You know, we played the PS5 version, PS4 version early here because of the where we got the you know, getting the PS4 version on Monday. I can see why they didn't send that to the press. <laughs> like that was a mess, you know, early uh, day one. So PCs, the the one they have maybe more control or more polish on the code makes sense. Not lying, B-roll is shitty. dirty. It's dirty. It's, it's shady. Yeah. I mean, they didn't send out code to like hardly anyone. Very because like, they I knew. know I know people who didn't get code for this, and I'm like it. Blows my mind <laughs> no. in a code. Yeah, it's, it's they try to keep it away from people. Weird. Yep, that's it's, shady it, and bad. I think you guys yeah. knew I was going to say that though. Uh, so they they knew that this thing was not ready for prime time. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, next up from Sorefear. Here's a funny one. Does it bother you? It take you out of a game when water sprays on the camera, leaving droplets. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this: it it's not realistic. That because it means that like. 
I'm looking through a piece of glass. Like, if I'm just looking through my eyes, I don't see droplets. So to me, it's not realistic. And I'll say this. Every game used to put it in it, and they've stopped. Not every yes, game includes less now. It. Now, yeah. to be fair, I wear glasses, so it is realistic to me. <laughs> okay, touche. The less realistic part is that the drop goes away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but yes, it, it does imply that you're looking through a camera, not an eye, right. which is a strange thing to you know it's yeah it's it's part of the language of games i guess it's it's a conceit of like that's how you show that it's raining on you it's so goofy it just started like in the n64 era and they're just like we're just gonna keep doing it like we're also talking about a medium where like if you get shot with enough bullets you see enough jam in front of you and that's when you die (laughs) you know so it's a it's a conceit it's a way to communicate some information but it is pretty silly yep uh let's see Suicide King. Sony announced that it secured at least two-year exclusives with Square's upcoming game project, Athia. That was also announced today. Um, What do you think this costs Sony? It seems it could be expensive because of Square missing out on Xbox sales and possibly on Switch sales. Um, Blah, blah, blah. So what do you think? Knowing Um, some of that data that we got from Capcom a couple weeks ago, using that as a frame of reference. I don't know, really. I I don't really have an opinion on this. I mean, this I'd yet. say five million dollars. <laughs> that does seem to be sort of how they've gone with it. Yeah, that seems to be the going rate. I mean, that's all it took for Sony to pay Capcom to get exclusives on PS4. So I'm gonna go with it. Japanese publisher, five million dollars. That's my guess. Un- unproven property. Yep. Yeah. And worth it, in my opinion. I mean, it's a deal for just about anything. Heck yeah, anything and related to game development. Five million dollars is like pocket lint. Um, oh, here's another one. Uh, with Halo Del- Infinite being delayed until the fourth quarter of 2021, that was announced today. It's not coming out until holiday 2021. Uh, does this, it. Yeah. Uh, does this leave a hard uphill battle for it being a success going against a new Battlefield and Call of Duty? Um, and whatever of, else comes, out, comes out, out, we don't. Yep. We still don't know. Uh, and PS5 first-party exclusives that'll be coming out. Yeah, there. Horizon. Yeah, and a lot of overlap being in the same genre. Or will Microsoft just throw it up on Game Pass and negate the battle? Oh, that's definitely not happening. They're not going to just throw it up on Game Pass. They it will be yeah. on Game Pass, but it's going to release at retail. Microsoft needs that sixty bucks from the people who don't. Oh yeah, There'll subscribe be a to Game Pass. No yeah, this not going to just become a digital only game. Um, as to the rest of your point, I mean. It's doomed. The Xbox Series X is screwed. Like I still think Microsoft can make it a successful business, and they're gonna they'll make a lot of money off of it. And I think they can get to a place where they're making a ton of, ton of money off Game Pass, and it may even get to a point where Microsoft is actually generating more profit from Xbox Series consoles than Sony is from PlayStation Five. But the the console war is over. It it was over as soon as there wasn't a big launch game for Series X. Um, and you're seeing it in the sales. It's two to one for PlayStation Five. Uh, even in the resale market, it's two to one for PlayStation Five. So we'll see. Like there, you know, we don't know what what the future holds. No one at the beginning of last gen could have predicted PUBG yeah. or anything like that. Yep. But like, so you know, X, Xbox might end up with some kind of killer app somewhere that we don't know, but you can't possibly predict. But I don't think it's going to be Halo. I think it would need it pretty quickly too, if it has hopes of. It would have to be something in the coming winning year. winning the yeah. generation. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I don't think it can win the generation. All they can hope for is to close the gap somewhat. Kind of like Sony did with PlayStation Three. 
pretty much towards yeah. the end, got almost to even, but by then no one cared. Uh, right. I can see maybe that happening with Xbox. But yeah, by the end no one cared, and you were selling those things for a third of what they launched at price wise. Yep. It just you know it was a different game at that point. But you know you never know. Like there could be something in the wings that we just don't know about, or even they don't know is going to blow up. You know, you, you, we have no idea what the next you know uh, Fall Guys is going to be. Yep. Uh, here's one from Twitter from Agent Forty Seven. Given how bad Cyberpunk's performance is on the base consoles and PC essentially being the lead platform, do you think CD Projekt Red should have just canceled or at least delayed to mid-2021 uh, past-gen versions and released the game for PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC only? If it was feasible, yes, but it wasn't. Possible, yeah, <laughs> but like, what they should have found, they should have found a way to, I mean, it was probably not allowed by the console manufacturers. They should have been like Pro and Siri, and, and uh, Xbox One X only. Yep. Um, I don't think there's a way to lock that out, though, really. And honestly, um, I don't think CD Projekt Red wanted to. Probably not. I they mean, want look, those sales. I mean, a lot of people bought those base count, consoles. At last count, oh, about 50% of the pre-orders were console. Yeah. So wow. no, you do not. So you do not there want. were four million PC pre-orders. There were a lot of yeah. Whoa, that would be the most the, the num- pre-ordered. The game numbers ever. I've seen were for were console pre-orders were forty-one to fifty percent. Wow, of, Dude, of they the had pre- eight was, million pre-orders. Yeah, that was now that was a while ago, so that might have changed. Uh, but like, they um, ended up with eight million pre-orders. That that's still a lot of PC orders. That's insane. So. Eight million pre-orders. That's and just if you're going crazy. through GOG, that's pure. That's all to them. It's crazy. So. Well, WB gets like a little bit of a cut, I think. Not on GOG. Right. WB yeah, doesn't the distribute stuff, the PC yeah. version. Um, every question is about Cyberpunk. Not a surprise. Um, let's see. Uh, with CD Projekt, this is from Arj Nike. With CD Projekt Red effectively releasing a broken game to those with base PS4s and Xbox Series X, do you think they should have been open and upfront with those who pre-ordered, or should they have delayed the release of the game? There's no point in delaying it because they're never going to work right. Right. Uh, they should have been upfront about it. Yep. You should have just said like, th- if you have a vanilla PS4 or Xbox One, you probably you should be ready that this is what it's going to look like. That's a great sticker to put on the box. <laughs> 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 but you know, I mean, they didn't even really release any console footage. It was all PC footage Not until all very along. Recently, like, yeah. They just weren't prepared for this. They bit off more than they could chew, and they couldn't get the game finished in time, even after they delayed it three times. So to this game, to say they should, it could have just languished on forever. Like, some people would argue The Witcher 3 still shouldn't be out. Like, you know, it's it's all about tolerance, risk, reward, Mm. risk tolerance for CD Projekt Red. How many of their fans are going to be pissed and not want to buy their games again? They looked at all that stuff before they decided to release this thing and decided that it was smart to do so. And based upon... 8 million pre-orders, I think they made the right call. I hate to well, say it. Well, also, delaying it's not going to make the PS4 or the Xbox One more powerful. That's true. Like, you're never, it's never going to be any better. Yep. So, Well, I mean, you can finagle with the code, but for what? For why? For what? Most people, people are going to be moving on from those, those in the next six months anyway, and they're going to buy it anyway. So, yeah, I, I, I get it. I understand what you're saying. And, yes, CD Projekt Red has been shady through this whole thing, but... Truth be told, at this point where we're sitting right now, I don't know that there's much that can be done to fix the current situation. 
So no, and I mean it's not like we didn't suspect. Yep, I mean that, I think we said wanna, chances yeah. are it'll barely run on base Xbox yeah, One, and base, we're hardly PS4. the only ones who were and saying I'm sure, that. Yeah, like, I'm sure others were saying the same thing. So not that big of a surprise, unfortunately. All right, that's it for Game Face episode 240. We will talk about this game again. I am sure many times over. Obviously, our Game of the Year awards happening. Next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. I'm sure we will talk about that game again then, among many, many others. And that show is streaming live, so try to set yourself an appointment for next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern uh, at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. Uh, if you missed the show open or you just get past it, I did give an update on the t-shirts. I'm not going to go into a full bore explanation again here. If you want that, go back and watch the open again. The bottom line is the shirts are not shipping for another couple more days. If you're not happy with that, send an email to orders at sifted.net and we will refund your money immediately. No questions asked. Um, Just letting you guys know if you're wondering where your shirts are, they are still not shipping for a couple more days. But I just wanted to be honest with you guys and let you guys know what was going on. A couple other things. Um, as I said a couple minutes ago, we may do another show after the Game of the Year show. It depends on whether I go home or not. Right now, I am literally still just completely on the fence on whether I should go home. My heart is telling me yes. My mind is telling me no. I want to see my mom really badly and the rest of my family. My mind is telling me it's one of the dumbest things I could ever do in my life. Um, so I'm still struggling through it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have not seen anyone in my family in a, for a year now. I really need to see them, but I don't know. So just follow me on Twitter at Dinfire. You'll know. Um, but if I do stay here, we will do another episode of Game Face before the end of the year. Um, what else do I got? Man, it's just crazy. The end of the year is wrapping up. I've got some messages from people who are asking me how they can like hook us up with like Christmas gifts and things like that. Um, let's see. You're not going to send us anything. We're not going to give you an address to ship us Christmas gifts, unfortunately. But if you'd like to do something for the site or for me or for Matt, um, you can always just donate. Uh, You can go to sifted.net slash donate, and you can use your PayPal account or your credit card to give us any amount of money you want to give us. If you want to just buy us a beer for the holidays, give us five bucks. If you want to thank us for all the work that we've done and doing this through a crazy once-in-a-hundred-years pandemic – then you can do that as well. Um, you can give us as much or as little as you want. If you'd rather do something tangible, buy a shirt, buy a T-shirt. I don't want to be living with these things for the next like year <laughs> and a half. And that's the best way you can do it. So sifted.net slash donate. The best part about that too is that Patreon doesn't take a cut, uh, so we actually get more of the money there. So if you're thinking about, hey, maybe I'll pledge a lot uh, for January as a thank you, it's better if you go to sifted.net slash donate because Patreon will take a cut of your money if you do it through Patreon. And I'm not breaking any rules by saying this, by the way. I'm not breaking any Patreon law or anything. Um, we're just trying to make sure that any amount of money you give us, we get the most of it, and Patreon doesn't get any of it if we can avoid it. So anyway, those are two easy ways to help us and give us a Christmas gift. If you're on YouTube watching this show, just subscribe via Twitch Prime. It's free. It literally takes one second after you set it up. Um, and if you've been watching the show all year on YouTube, multi- think about how many hours of entertainment we've given you. Three hours a week for 50 weeks. 150 hours of entertainment. If you don't think that's worth anything, then that's really sad. But if you do think it's worth something, then at least hook us up with Twitch Prime. I know you guys aren't doing it. I can see the numbers. So it's December. It's Christmas. 
Uh, we've worked really hard for you guys all year, giving you all this free content. Help us out, man. We need it. We're little. Every dollar makes a difference to us. Or you can just go throw another $10 at Kind of Funny that goes into an endless bucket that they won't notice. Your choice. Uh, but anyway, we will be back here on Tuesday for our Game of the Year Awards. Big deal every year. Lots of fanfare. Lots of fun. Another episode, 50-50 right now before the end of 2020. Uh, but I hope all you guys are starting to get into the Christmas mood, into the Christmas spirit. And I hope all you guys are like me and you're thinking the best way that you can celebrate this holiday and be as safe as possible. So on behalf of Matt, who you can find on Twitter, at mkyle, and me, who you can find on Twitter, at dinfire, and this awesome freaking video game website called Sifted that you can find at Sifted Games, we'll see you on Tuesday. Game Face is up and out. Hold on one second. Hmm? Um, I'm sorry. What are you doing in here? <laughs> no. What are you doing in here? You can't just walk into my office, dude. You got to get out. Dude, this guy just walked in here. <laughs> this bro- coronavirus, dude. What are you doing? What? You're breathing right now. I'm sorry, dude. Holy crap, dude. What, the, what was that? This guy just walked in. He's drunk. Like, he smells <laughs> like a case of beer. And he just walks in, and he's like, uh, can I use the bathroom? I'm like, what? Like a homeless guy? Or? Yeah, I think it is, yes. That's some scary crap. I don't know how he got in here. How did he get through the gates down there? Gates are usually open when I've been there. Holy crap. <laughs>